Hi there, my name is Paul. Welcome to the Stormkeep. Hey everybody. Uh, hello, my name is MJ. JJ. And today we're going to be talking about storm hosts and enhancements as a follow-up video to our previous one, which was just about the units that were in the battle tome. Today we're looking at how you would start combining all the special rules that go alongside them. The first thing we want to get into, as requested in the comments of our previous video, uh, we've put together a tier list summary. Given that there's so many Stormcast units, uh, there's going to be these two slides here. Feel free to screenshot them. And the first one here includes all of the units in each respective tier. It's sorted as we had sections in our previous video. At the top of the tier is the melee battle line unit. The second bullet point is the melee infantry units. The third bullet point is cavalry, or sorry, uh, shooting units. And then the fourth bullet point is cavalry. And then on the following slide here is all the heroes sorted by their, their tier ranking. And these are sorted by knights and then lords and then unique characters. So if you guys have any other questions about the tier list, please feel free to leave us a comment down below. So section one, first we're gonna talk about the storm host. They have changed quite radically in design from the previous edition. It seems like every few months Games Workshop changes their mind about how they want sub-factions to work in this game. So this is the most current iteration. Um, same as we did before, rankings are gonna be S through F. S is a very high impact or just really strong ability that, that can be used to define a list. Uh, the ability doesn't have to necessarily be incredibly powerful. It could be a specific battle line choice that gets unlocked that makes it really good. Uh, and then that scales all the way down to F tier, which is an ability that is just terrible or too niche and you can't really make a case for it. And then everything in between. Best thing about Stormhost nowadays is that you don't have your required um, artifacts or command traits anymore, just a note. Right, no more tax on command traits or artifacts, which is um, pretty much just pick whichever one you like the most. There's very little opportunity cost here. So first up is the Hammers of Sigmar. Uh, so the two main things that the Hammers of Sigmar offer are a six-up ward for every unit on objectives and battle line Dracoths. And I, that's not what I expected Hammers of Sigmar to do. I was expecting mm -hmm. something more focused on Redeemer units, Redeemers. personally. Yeah, especially because yeah. of Vandas Hammerhand, you'd figure this would be the Redeemer faction. And it just didn't work out that way. But what we got instead... Also the previous command ability, where you just, you know, brought back a unit of block of Redeemers for five ups. So. Yeah, yeah, and they had to nerf that ability, if you recall. <laughs> Only once per turn, <laughs> so you couldn't bank five command points and use it five times when a unit died. Okay. So, uh... Yeah, the, the, the battle line Dracoths, to me, that's the big thing for Hammers of Sigmar. The 6-up ward, I don't think is that impactful for, for a number of reasons, but I'm loving the battle line Dracoths because when you can swap out uh, a unit or all three units of Liberators in your list with really high-impact units like Fulminators or Tempesters, your, look, your list is looking real good. You can just have three or four different Hammer units at the same time, and, and your opponent is, is really struggling to take one out. The 6-up ward... I think I think it's okay. It's not bad. It's like you're fighting over objectives anyway, and it's wholly within twelve, not wholly within six. So that's a, a it is a it is a wide time. range. But my my issues yes. with it, and my my issues with it is that you have to compare it to Gardas, right? He's in the book. You yeah. can play Hollow Knights and 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 pay for a five up ward. Uh, one big issue I have with it is that it's it's not wholly within twelve inches of objectives, plural. It's wholly within twelve inches of an objective, and oftentimes you'll find you're kind of in the middle of objectives because you're, you're not sure which one you're gonna contest quite yet. Sometimes you'll get caught out, you might have one model on one objective and the rest on another, and you, you end up losing the bonus. And uh, there's a lot of battle plans that have really weird placement of objectives. Some battle plans don't have objectives on the board when you start. Um, it, it's just weird, especially in Gur, the current season where you can eat an objective starting on round three. 
So you could be fighting and you have your really tanky unit on an objective and all of a sudden it just gets eaten and you lose your defensive bonus. Um, but, but think about it this way. You have multiple ways to get wards on multiple areas of the map as opposed to Gardas having to be there and provide that aura for you. Now, Elite and Stormcast are, Gardas can move up with his things, and most of your things will get that ward. This just allows you to sort of spread out a bit more and contest multiple things with the uh, ward saves. It, it has a little sort of a little it's more like, durability to your kill squads of, uh, I want this unit to go secure this part of the board. Uh, let's say you send out a unit of four Fulminators to one side, and they can secure yeah. that and be a little more durable. And that's yeah, it's a good bonus. Talking, yeah, out of, that means, like out of, like let's say, 12 uh, Wounds of Dracots, you basically get an ablet of two wounds more mathematically, right? Mm -hmm. it, so. It's a little bit here and there. It can add up. Uh, I personally don't rely on six up boards for anything ever. And for me, if I'm playing Hammers of Sigmar, it's because I either want one of the almost all the all almost all the unique units are Hammers of Sigmar. So if you want to use one of them, you're probably going to play Hammers. Uh, but really, it's the Dracoths for me. I'm really enjoying the unit of, of Fulminators. I had one game the other day where on the charge they did 54 damage. And then I got a double turn, and they did it again. And the fact that I didn't have to spend 115 points on Liberators to bring that unit was great. Really enjoyed that. Oh, it's beautiful. Yep. So, uh, so let, I got a bunch of cons here. I feel like they're worth discussing. So another another downside is you have to be holy within 12 inches of objectives. And mm -hmm. I've actually that run into that issue where maybe a part of your model is hanging off because you have to pile in a certain way, or you're using a big monster like a Star Drake or or, or Karazai or something, and you just can't quite get holy within 12 inches of the objective. Um, and it does nothing if you're not fighting on objectives. So like I mentioned, mm -hmm. there's there's battle plans without them on the board. There's battle mm -hmm. plans where they get eaten. Um, six up ward isn't very reliable. It, it, I can go entire games without ever rolling it once, you know, it, mm -hmm. or or you take so much damage that a six up ward wouldn't save you statistically. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I guess the last thing to talk about with Hammers of Sigmar is the unique units, right? We went over a review of them in our previous video, um, but the ones that stand out to me are definitely Bastion first and foremost, and mm -hmm. secondary I'd say Vandis. Maybe. I would say Aventus. Aventus as a 40-point upgrade for two spells. On a, uh, See, I'm not I'm not sure he's an upgrade because you lose the ability to take an artifact with him. So that's that's a situational upgrade, I would call it. Maybe a side grade. He comes with his own artifact. He comes with his own heroic recovery, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to play with Aventus more, and I, uh, mm -hmm. I can't... I, I, you know what? I love Fulminators so much, I'm willing to try that list with Aventus and Fulminators just Aventus to see and how he does. Yep, I want to try that, too. Yeah. 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 And, and maybe some Tempestors, too. That would be sick, because that, that bonus lasts throughout every phase. So if they're unleashing Hell, they get the bonus as well. Mm -hmm. um, Bastion, Ventus. Vandus is pretty good. You can give, you know, 15 bonus attacks to a big squad of Indictors every single combat phase. That adds up. Or Bastion, like, make, like, a, a unit of 10 Sequiturs with 5 Grand Maces goes to, like, 15 Grand Mace attacks, which is not insignificant. Yeah, it's, it's not good. bad. Sequiturs are a little bit better with that. If they were more cost-effective, you might see them in a lot more lists. I actually I actually think there's potential, if they reduce the cost of Sequiturs, you could run Astraea, Vandis, uh, a block of Sequiturs, and then some Dracolines, you know, and, and really move that save bonus around as you need it. Get some armor stacking mm -hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So most right, of the so, most yeah, of the hammers exactly units are just yeah dracots <laughs> and characters is why you play this faction yeah it's a tier yeah yeah a tier a tier is right because as good as this is it's not it's not quite there and there are there's more than one s tier faction in this list and I'm very excited about that JJ you got any input on hammers I was just gonna say uh, poster boys for Age of Sigmar it's good to see that they're seeing some action in uh, match play these days agreed. 
Yeah, they're actually good, right? Uh, I'm not sure how good Ultramarines are these days, but I know they haven't oh, really they're been... they're competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're keeping up. Yeah, so it's nice to see that uh, Poster Boy is actually worthwhile. Uh, so Hallowed Knights are the first of our S-tier sub-factions, and, uh, and it's not because Redeemer units can fight when they die. That's nice, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but really, the sure. star of the show here is Gardas, right? Yep. When you give your whole yeah. army a 5-up ward, either you're in a castle formation and everything gets a ward, or you're playing a really aggressive forward army, you have some cavalry run in, you have some shooting drop down, and you give all of that a 5-up ward, so you're more secure in that forward position. Either way, you're playing it, It's he's just insane, right? The fact that he yeah. has a 5-up ward and then also lets you reroll charges, so you don't have to spend command points rerolling uh, fulminator charges. Yeah. And then he and also buffs heroes. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, any hero with uh, multiple attack profiles, the Knight Draconis, uh, Tolerons, Karazai, Karazai, Karandis, yeah, plus one attack is amazing. Yeah, there's so much versatility that you can do with the Hallowed Knights. I feel like they're going to become the default faction just because of how good their abilities are, and they don't lean in any particular way. Like, if you look in the favored units section on the slide, you'll see I put anything that wants a 5-up ward, which, <laughs> which is almost anything, yeah. right? What, what Stormcast unit doesn't want a 5-up ward? Uh, you Those know. that have a four-up ward. Exactly. But they're all hammer units, so <laughs> who cares? <laughs> no, not all, but there, there's a couple. But, you know, I probably wouldn't play Celestin Prime and Hallowed Knights. I probably wouldn't play um, Andrasta. Maybe there could be a list with Andrasta resurrecting sequiturs. You know, they, they keep fighting. Um, all right, let's go, th let's go through pros and cons here. Jesse, um, did you have something about this? Uh, no, I'll uh, chime in when I have uh, something to say. So there's... Right. I, I just want to find out one thing. So... We talked so uh, Redeemer units fighting when they're dying. This is on a four up, so it's going to happen mathematically like half the time on average. Um, it's not as bad as people think, and it, it has like this hidden value that people don't see. It's that let's say you something attacks your ten sequitur wall with five grand maces in front, or something attacks your ten block Vindictor unit. Typically, the things that attack them, or the things that in your enemy's army or your opponent's army, sorry, that uh, attack first, go for all out attack, not all out defense. Now, Redeemers are not where you want your damage in your army to be. You want Paladins to do that, but their damage potential goes up because you're not charging into something that triggers all-out defense. They're hoping to be on the offensive on that. So even if you get, like, three three Vindictors or three Secretors or Grand Maces fighting back, that minus one rend they have, although limited in its application throughout the game, has potential for value there. Yeah, it messes with combat order. Uh, and it mm -hmm. might be enough to tip things in your favor where if you are if you get multi-charged, uh, which is a very common tactic, you get charged by three things at a time, not by one. Or you, you typically either get charged by one thing or three things because then the combat's mm -hmm. in, in your opponent's favor. So when that happens, and, and two of the things that get charged are a Redeemer unit like Vindictors or Sequitors or even, even Liberators can swing with that, that big hammer, it increases your counterattack damage. Which kind of makes it, it makes combat a little more interesting. It's now it's not like it's not going to win you the game, right? And it's not going to clear objectives off, but it helps you trade. And this this is a game all about trading. Stormcast don't have a great attrition style of play, even with the tools we have for that, like Andrasta and the Banner. They're expensive, mm -hmm. they're limited, and and getting most value out of every unit is key. So it's a little bit of extra damage that adds up. I don't think I would. I don't think I would go with like a full 15 Vindictor blob and, and try to push them off objectives and then hope that I die and do more damage. I don't think I'd do that. But no. you're going to bring screens and they're going to be redeemers. You might as well get a little bit of extra damage out of them. Yep. 
And and it does have uh, obvious synergy with the storm keeps because if you're using redeemers in your list anyway, pushing them forward and contesting objectives. If your opponent's coming to contest that objective, they're going to be taking more damage. Um, like it, it's a bigger threat than it, than in mm -hmm. other armies, right? Like oh no, five liberators are on my objective. Well, that's whatever. They're five dudes. I, I can just mostly ignore them. But now it's oh, there's 15 models worth of liberators on my objective, and when I kill them, they're going to swing back at me, potentially. It just... Uh... And the other, yeah, the other good thing about this is um, this can also get past all-out defense uh, in other ways, because this does not have to be combat-based. As long as they're in combat, if they're getting killed by anything, you know, uh, charge impacts, magic, uh, range damage, they still get to fight when they die, if That's they're within three. Yeah. If, you're, if your uh, redeemers are getting shot while they're contesting an objective, suddenly... You're, you're losing models on that objective because they're fighting back as they're dying, right? Like, you get a bunch of dudes on an objective, your opponent's trying to take it back, and now all of a sudden in the hero phase, shooting phase, charge phase, potentially, they're taking more damage. Mm -hmm. So it's not great. I feel like we're talking a lot about it. Like, it's this amazing thing. I've really got to downplay it here. It's not that good, but it's something, and you're bringing Gardas. Like, the reason you're playing this is for Gardas. So that's everything else is a bonus on top of that. Hilariously enough, though, only the Faithful does work with our uh, Blaze Cycle uh, combination there. Yeah, so like we talked about in, in the last episode, if you have a Blaze of Glory and then Cycle of the Storm to revive and then you Blaze of Glory again, uh, only the Faithful occurs at the exact same time that Blaze of Glory occurs. It's before that model is removed. Before it is removed from play. Yeah, so what you do is you, you would um, Blaze of Glory... And that triggers at the exact same time as only the Faithful. So you can choose what order they activate in. Neither of them really affects what happens because you have to resolve both. So you activate Blaze of Glory, then you activate only the Faithful, then you use Cycle of the Storm, then you go back to Blaze of Glory, and then only the Faithful again, and then you finally die for real. <laughs> now, is that the best use of a Blaze of Glory with a Cycle combo? Not really, because I'd rather have Cycle the Storm proccing something like 12 to 15 dice instead of just 2 or 3. If you have nothing better to use it on, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, there's there's oftentimes nothing better to use it on, so it's not bad. It, it's just little bits of damage here and there can really add up, and they can swing high. I would never count on it, I would never rely on it, I would never make a list around it, but it is little bits here that add up for more value. Especially because uh, the model has to be, the model that dies has to be within three inches of an enemy. So if you have a reinforced unit, and the dudes in the back are four inches away, they don't get to activate the ability. And you typically pull from the back, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's all there is to say. Hallowed Knights, S tier. Every time I make a list, I think, why wouldn't I be Hallowed Knights? I have to have a really good reason not to pick Hallowed Knights. Those reasons are battle line mostly. Mostly battle line related, yes. But they are good reasons. Yep. Super frustrating to play against, I will say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kill a model. All right, let's take 15 minutes and resolve the death of that model. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, Celestial Vindicators. Uh, they've always been the melee-focused faction, and that continues to be the case now. It's a little more interesting because there's there's really no direct bonuses to shoot. Well, there is a slight bonus to shooting in this book, but with Stormhost, it's it's really focused on, on durability and melee. And mm -hmm. uh, Celestial Vindicators, when I first looked at them, I kind of overlooked them. I thought, oh, exploding sixes in combat, why would that be A tier? Because there's other ways to get that in the book, right? Like other units mm -hmm. already have effects on sixes. Um, Vindictors, Retributors, all these units already do stuff when you roll a hit roll of six. And then there's Actually also... shooters. Yeah, and our shooters too. And then uh, we have Blessed Weapons, which can just give this effect to any unit. So why, you know, why is this such a good effect? It's because we end up... In a, in a space with list building where you just have a big hammer unit 
and you don't want to spend 145 points on a second relic turn to get bless up because you got to bring translocation right mm -hmm. and you don't want to spend 145 points on a second one and you don't really particularly care for any any battle line option right because maybe you're getting your yep. battle line from your general choice or maybe you're fine with just using some shooting units uh and and it just yeah celestial vindicators just works right it, there's so many limitations on it right it's one unit only in melee it only activates if you charged uh and it, and it doesn't stack with any other hit hit roll effect there's so many limitations on it and yet it still just ends up being this little free damage boost right so if you have a big squad of 10 protectors yeah there you go here's a free bless weapons on that unit every time they charge if you have fulminators you know i mentioned previously they were doing about almost 60 damage on the charge yeah well now they're yeah. going to do a bit more for free without a command point being spent and it can't and be stopped by roar Yep, it cannot be stopped, and the, the, this is the really cute thing about it. So, because this happens at the start of combat phase, it lasts until your next hero phase. Meaning, if you get double turned, not only will you retain that buff through the next combat phase in your opponent's turn, but you can do this again on another unit. So you can have two units on exploding sixes. Yeah, so it's a little insurance against double turns. Not a lot, but it, you know, little things here and there add up. It's good. It's just a solid ability. I've built um, a really fun-looking monster list that takes six star storm drakes it takes one of the knight draconis and a torlon and it uses celestial vindicators because i don't care about the battle line options and i don't have enough points left over for gardas and i think mm -hmm. gardas will probably just get left behind anyway so mm -hmm. yeah six uh six drakes on the charge doing pretty good damage especially when you have exploding sixes mm -hmm. yeah it's a wonderful ability definitely a tier yeah no, again not as good as hallowed knights um maybe even not as good as hammers of sigmar but the effect is good enough that I think it's A tier. It's a strong sub-faction. Mm -hmm. There's no real downside to picking it. You don't have to twist your list in a different way. Um, maybe don't use a lot of retributors <laughs> in your army. Yeah, I don't use anything that already triggers things on sixes. You know, try to try to. That that's the only con I would say. It's not that you can't put them, but the the celestial vindicators really want you to pick things that just do good old traditional damage and no special effects. Yeah, there's some fun combos here. Uh, Karazai, who's who's a huge melee beat stick really loves this if you ever get fighting 30 skeletons you're going to love the fact that you pick celestial vindicators uh celestin prime can guarantee a hit roll so if you look at it that way it's celestin prime with plus one attack and an auto hit on six that's pretty good if you you know get the charge yeah. in and you don't have to waste all of it. the uh all yeah all of the primes like uh indrasta too indrasta is good on this uh, I would argue no. She's like a four attack. Uh, well, right? she only has four attacks, and yeah. you, can, you have no way to. So get on average, she's going to get yeah, less sure. than one per combat phase. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's good. Um, I think people should try out social vindicators, and it's it's more versatile than it seems because, frankly, the other bonuses aren't that good. <laughs> You're mostly picking stormhosts for a battle line, it seems. All right. Next it's, one. Um, Anvils of the Heldenhammer. Uh, rest in peace. Oh, well, I'll, I'll yes. put this on my shelf next to the Night Heraldor and the Azuros. I've been playing Anvils of the Heldenhammer since Stormcast came out. I've always had the black armor painted since, since 2016. And I yep. was stoked when they were the best sub-faction, and now they're the worst. I mean, to and be they fair, are paying for the sins, second edition. Yeah. I mean, in reality, everybody's Anvils of the Heldenhammer now, so... Yeah, if you are using Raptors for any reason, you are, congratulations, you're Anvils of the Heldenhammer. Because they're just doing double shots they used to do. But that's, that's why they had to nerf Anvils, right? They had to make it complete... They didn't have to make it this bad, but they had to remove the force multiplier on it. It was way too strong. The mighty had to fall, Paul. The mighty had <laughs> to just, fall. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, the, from a narrative perspective, the anvils have been fighting nothing but death, and then they had that little 
scuffle with Marathi towards the end of uh, second ed. All death is bravery 10. You when know is this ability ever going to be relevant? You know what's bad when we're talking lore instead of rules for from the start. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But I would have liked, also, like, Deathly Aura is not what they do. Like, it's like, it's like okay, so, like, Hallowed Knights only the faithful. Yeah, okay, sure, that makes sense. Even from a narrative perspective, they're not about Deathly Aura. They're supposed to be veterans of the old world. You know, resurrected, you know, old kings of, like, the old world who have been put into Stormcast by. Yeah, like, there's literally a lore. Yeah, they should have done something with heroes. Maybe, like, pick a hero, and if it does the... Uh, What's it called? The uh, like, if, if your general's alive on the battlefield on a four up, you get a command point, something like that. Maybe this could have been like roll an extra dice for Blaze of Glory on every model. You know, they have this old world soul. It's a powerful soul. It's been plucked from the gash, so it does a little more damage on the way. That would have been more sure, useful. Sure, sure. Or you know, yeah, like veterans, like veterans of basically what was the uh, heroes of another age? Like something about making heroes better. Maybe have them make more CP. I don't. I don't know. Just it's, the possibilities are endless, and then they're all better than whatever this is. The only the only silver lining I can see is that maybe they're gonna get rid of bravery ten in the book and all these death and demon books. I don't think that's gonna happen because they've had that since Warhammer Fantasy. They're never getting rid of that. Like they've been fearless forever. I would like it to happen because I, I, I think there's too many bravery ten armies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, I mean, a it, lot of cool it could, rules. It could go to, yeah, I mean, just it, don't it, work. it's possible. Like they could just make it attached to heroes. Like if the hero is present, you have bravery ten. If the hero dies, you're not that kind of thing. So let's okay. Let's actually talk about the ability. How it works is at the end of the charge phase, any charge phase, yours or your opponent's, you roll a two d six for each enemy unit within an inch of one of your units. Right. So right away, you have to you have to roll dice for every single unit. That's usually going to do nothing. But when it does activate, when you roll higher than their bravery, you reduce the damage taken, or the damage that unit deals, I should say, by two. Which probably won't be enough. It'll save you one redeemer unit, you know, one model. Yep. Uh, it won't save the unit, generally. Right? It's not a significant source of damage mitigation. And, uh, if you know, it could help against really low bravery, low volume units that are trying to ping you off, you know, three or four damage at a time. Sure. Yeah. Let, let's the, niche, the, the niche is this. Let's say you have some backline liberators or whatever, and someone deep strikes, I don't know, Kinarai in an effort to just kill one liberator and take over that objective. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. I think you switched. Yeah, yeah my bad. Um, so let's look at all the cons here, just because I really want to hammer down just how bad this is. There's no battle line options. Like we've talked about other storm hosts who have bad abilities. Like Hallowed Knights is not a great ability, but they and they don't have battle line, but they have a great special character. Anvils just has none of that. So they could have at least given him some kind of battle line option to make him viable. It the ability only affects units within one inch, not three inches, which you might think for standard combat range. Uh, you have to roll higher than their bravery, not equal. It could have been <laughs> equal or, or or greater than bravery. Uh, nothing in our book reduces bravery. We used to have mm-hmm. things that reduce bravery. Dracolines used to reduce bravery. We used to have a deathly aura on the general of, the, of this sub-faction that would reduce bravery, and none of that happens. Uh, it only affects the following combat phase. It only affects wounds from attacks, specifically not abilities. So if you have some mm-hmm. kind of mortal wounds on a hit roll, that you know questionable if that works. Uh, it doesn't do enough, and it also just slows the game down. And it, yeah. I really hate that. I think I w- they did a good thing removing a lot of rerolls from the game because it speeds up gameplay. But now every single combat, every single charge phase, you have to roll 2d6 for every unit. And it'll usually do nothing. And it's just, 
I don't know what units would want this. I can't think of a use for this. And I've been trying. God knows I've been trying. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a really good one. The Knight's Excelsior. Oof. These guys are my favorite. Yeah, I've loved their fluff for a long time. The uh, Their impact on the story has been really subtle, but it's kind of been on the sidelines. But I've, every time I hear them mentioned, I'm always like, yeah, these guys are great. They're completely just genocidal in the name of destroying chaos like they're willing to do whatever yeah. it takes which is cool like that's a nice angle to take for stormcast um their actual ability is not great i would say right now it's not great um how it works is it you, you there's a lot of words here but basically you pick a paladin unit and if that paladin unit is fighting a bigger unit you can add one to hit and wound rolls which is really good because it, it, it's not a command ability it makes all your paladins on twos and twos already so retributors, yeah. protectors, decimators, annihilators, uh, annihilators they're all going to be on twos and twos. But, you know, you have to fight something that's a bigger unit. How often? I mean, that's, not, that's not hard to do. That's not. OK, so when we talked about our tier lists, we talked about protectors and how they're getting goods at 10. But yeah. I can genuinely see lists that rely on MSU paladins, like the three man units. The uh, This is like handmade for annihilators. Like we talked about how the shield ones aren't very reliable in terms of damage. They'll most likely be fighting things if you ever choose to take them that are that outnumber them. Um, now, how good this is in a monster meta is debatable, where people are taking more and more and more single models, but that could change. Well, there's a lot of limitations on it, right? Um, let's say you charge into a unit of a hero, like you deep strike annihilators, and you charge into a hero alongside a unit of I don't know ten gut rippers or something, right? You would get plus one plus one against those gut rippers, but not against that hero, and you'd probably want to yes. kill the hero instead, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Paladins are also typically our kill big target unit, right? Like when we want to delete something from the game, we throw paladins and, and dracoths at it. That's how Stormcast fight. And that is not always a unit of 30 models or 40 models or even 10 models. Sometimes it's just mm-hmm. one model, a big monster you want to kill. And uh, it, for the faction that can reinforce battle line paladins up to three, it's weird that they have this ability. It's almost at odds with that ability because they're encouraging you to get 15 protectors, but then they're telling you, yeah, go fight something bigger than you. So the abilities are kind of at odds, but the reason this is still S is because you get battle line protectors and you can bring 15 of them or nine yep. grand hammer annihilators, or you can just replace attributors or, or anything. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just so good. Yeah. That battle line flexibility is, is excellent. Uh, same reason hammers of Sigmar is a, I think Knights Excelsior is S because their ability is a little bit better than hammers of Sigmar and paladins, Battleline Paladins, I think, are a better thing than Battleline Dracos. They just fit into more yeah. lists. Yep. Now, the downsides of the ability, there's other plus one hit effects. You know, there's Torlons, there's um, all-out attack. There's just other ways to get plus one to hit. And you can get plus one to wound if you cast Celestial Blades or use a Triumph. So there's, it's not like the plus one plus one is a big deal, but maybe it doesn't have to be, right? Maybe you, you use it with three Annihilators, they come down, they get the no, plus yeah, one. No, yeah, I mean, one. I think, yeah, it's, it's great for Scions. It's ap- yeah. like... Anything that doesn't have to start on the board and gets into the enemy, I think it's great. And yes, it's not going to do well in like a hugely like monster-leaning meta. But if you think of the standard Iron Jaws list, like those guys are now building lists with a Maw Crusher, 10 Brutes, 6 Gruntas. So mm-hmm. even a 5 squad of Retributors or a squad of 3 Annihilators, when they go into that thing, they're on 2s and 2s, and that's great. Yeah, it, it's a fine ability. A lot of other Stormhosts have bad abilities. And then it's a really good battle line unit. So... Overall, S tier. Uh, the thinking mm-hmm. of all the different lists you can build with this. We talked in the first video we did on this channel about using small groups of retributors as your battle line. 
along with Indrost at a Resurrector, and I think there's some potential there too. Yep, now, obviously, the downside, a lot of our Paladin units don't reinforce well. Uh, regular Annihilators, you typically don't want to bring them in squads of six. Retributors, Decimators don't go well past groups of five because they start losing attacks because of one-inch range. But Protectors and Grand Hammers have range, and they are very, very strong when they're reinforced. Nine Grand Hammers slamming down on the field will kill anything in melee. I don't think, besides Marathi, I don't think anything survives a round of combat with them. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Knights Excelsior are awesome, and they have a cool color scheme. And cool yeah. lore. So next edition, they're going to be nerfed into the ground like they did with Anvils. Yeah, I expect them to be, could be the next Anvils. So. <laughs> All right, next up, we have the Celestial Warbringers. Uh, they have an ability where once per phase for your army, your whole army, once per phase can reroll a hit roll, a wound roll, or a save roll. And that is potentially really good because we don't have a lot of ways to reroll in this book, and we do have a lot of weapons in the game that are very high damage, high impact, but low volume. So, for example, ballistas, mm-hmm. uh, long strike raptors, fulminators with their heavy hitting glaives. You just sometimes you want to really re-roll. It's it's a small amount of damage increase. It actually works better, I think, in a thousand points than two thousand. Mm-hmm. And that's about all I can say about this. Uh, re-rolling one yeah. save roll, not that useful, I would say. It, it, it could be. be. I mean, yeah. that on something like the Celestin Prime, like you know, against. Yeah. Saving that, saving that one source of damage, I, I wouldn't mind that. Things that already have good saves, but somehow you roll a one because you know luck, luck happens, and then you just reroll that. Rerolls for Stormcast are typically more accurate than rerolls for other armies because we are so accurate and we have high armor saves. So rerolling mm-hmm. is typically a second chance at a two up or a three up, which is yes. good, but it's just one dice for the whole army per phase. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not something like. It's not great. Um, it's cute, I think. I, I think what I would have liked... So this would have been really helpful if we could re-roll, because where, where I really want re-rolls is the Dragon Breath or the Dracod Breath. Yep, that's because, one of the cons yep. there. Specifically, yeah. it does not work on Dragon Breath attacks. Yeah, so, and, you know, the other thing is obviously, like, this doesn't let you... Because Celestial Warbringers, for those of you who only started at 3rd edition, they used to be the Magic Chamber. They used to have bonuses to casting, they used to have things around casting. Um, and it turns, and it looks like from this design, they want us to be warrior first, and anything else you are second. So you're not a priest warrior; you're a warrior priest, or like you're a warrior mage. So they don't they want us they want us to fight. They don't want us to have anything fancy regarding spellcasting or anything like that. So being able to reroll spells or even just like one dice on the spell roll would have been amazing, but I guess not. Before we were the magic faction, the celestial warbringers were actually the knight heraldor faction. Hilariously enough, their identity was heralding the storm of sigmar and they would drop in a whole bunch of heraldors and and buff the range of their ability up to 24 inches which was hilarious i loved playing that list in first edition so they've kind of gone through an identity crisis in second and now they're still trying to figure out what to do with them it would have been nice to get a battle line option maybe some battle line evocators would have been really cool Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah or or at least if this ability worked on a spell casting roll, like reroll one spell per turn, that would have made this really, really good because Stormcasts have very mm-hmm. bad casting and, and good spells and wizards. Yeah, so, I, ju- I just don't think they want us to have that at all. I just, no. yeah. 
So uh, I should mention it does work in every phase. So when you're using a Thunderbolt volley, you can re-roll one of those dice. And then when the when the, presumably the Raptors shoot again in the shooting phase, you can re-roll another one of those dice. And it does work in the charge phase. So if you're using Unleash Hell, it works there. If you have some way I can't think of that lets you attack in the movement and Battleshock phases, you can use it there as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't see myself ever picking this in particular, I put it in C tier because it's not a bad ability by any means, right? Like rerolling a ballista shot is really good. Uh, rerolling just in general is a good effect, especially when you have big hitters like Karazai or Celestin Prime, when you when you need yeah. the accuracy boost. It's not a bad ability. It's just not particularly good. It's one of the better ones yeah. of the abilities the Stormhosts give you. Right? Like I would rank this higher than the Hammer's ability. I'd rank it higher than only the Faithful. I'd rank it higher than probably. Probably the next two as well. Like it's not bad at all. The problem is that it doesn't do enough, and the other ones are just more specific with list building because they give you more battle line options, which gives you more efficient lists. Yeah. Yeah, there's better utility salt through other storm uh, storm keeps. Yeah. So I'm wondering how they would improve this one over time, and I'm not seeing it. So I think it it maybe should have been put in D tier instead of C, but I, I'm gonna leave it in C because it's not it's not objectively bad. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like if we had like a highly impactful unit like the uh, Cruel Boys Ballista, where it's like, you know, it has one shot. Like yeah, it'd be really good there. I would love this in 40k. I played Tau for a little while, and one of their sub factions gives each one of their units one reroll per turn. And I th- and mm-hmm. when I first read Celestial Warbringers, I was like, oh, it's gonna be like that. And then no, it's it's for the whole army per phase. Yep. Mm. All right. See, I think is a fair ranking for this one. I maybe missed something. If you guys think of something that we missed, please drop it in the comments. I would love to hear it because I really, really want this one to work. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Tempest Lords, which I initially had in C tier alongside the Celestial Warbringers, but as we go more into list building, I'm, I'm ranking them a little bit higher. I don't think they're quite on the same tier as Hammers of Sigmar or. Uh, Celestial Vindicators, but I think they're not bad either, and the more I think about them, the better they get. So, good things about them. I'd say the best thing is you can re-roll a dice on the charge roll. One dice on the charge roll rather than both. Yes. And that's, um, um, I, and that's each that's time good. you roll a charge. You know, every charge yeah. unit that flies does this ability. It's not once per phase, it's not once per game. Every time you charge. Yeah, I, I think it's great, because okay, it's not okay. It's not as powerful as, like, a translocate char- a move charge, or, like, Gabriel Shorhar doing his thing in second edition, but... For those of you who played uh, 40k in 8th edition, uh, before their re-roll, uh, re-roll charges rule got changed so you have to roll both dice, it used to be you can roll, re-roll one of the dice. And that made charges, even from Deep Strike, a lot more reliable. And I think that's what this is doing for uh, flying units. Yeah, it definitely uh, favors Scion charges, right? Especially for units like uh, the Big Drakes, Karazai, Celestin Prime. I think later this week we're going to be theory crafting up a list using both of those and, and mm-hmm. using uh, the command trait Shock and Awe which not 100% sold on, but you know it could be a fun fun list to do. The problems with this is that it has no effect on any units that don't fly, and most of our good units don't fly. right? Like our big mm-hmm. hammer units, our shooting units, none of that stuff really flies. Um, prosecutors are not the best unit in the book, I would say. They're yeah, far they're not worth the battle line. Yeah, if they, they need to be cheaper than battle line for you to be, oh, I'm going to take prosecutors as battle line and Tempest Lords. They, they, like, could even, they could even let them have bonus attacks on their special weapons, and I still would think they're pretty bad. They're not great units. Um, they do have a really cool charge, 3d6. Rerolling one is really insane. That's a long mm-hmm. charge that you can use to dive bomb the enemy right out of Scions, or just move up 12 and then do that. 
but I don't think you would still use. I don't think you replace all of your screens with this, right? I think you still need nope. some backfield objective holders. Mm-hmm. So, thinking about it, it's a good ability, and it does benefit units that really want it, like Celestine Prime and Karazai. Uh, Toralons would enjoy this as well. Star Drakes, yeah. stuff that wants to well, get it's in. Like, well, it's it's for those people who like. If you want to play Storm Drake Guard or any of these flyers, and Normally, when you play these units, you want to buff stack the crap out of them, translocate them, right? But sometimes, like, if you're really afraid about being alpha struck by range projection and you want to put your drakes in uh, deep strike, well, this lets you do that and still have them reliably get into something. So, well, yeah. this works with levitate, no? Yeah, that's, that's something that we're going to mention later when we talk about the enhancements when we get into the spell lores. It does work levitate. Levitate's a cast value 8, though. So, if you're using Krondis, sure. Right, you can you can use one of your spells for a chance to make one of your units fly, so that it can re-roll one dice on the charge. Yeah, it's a very weird situational list. I'd say that for sure. If there's more ways to fly in the future, this gets better and better. Like if we go to a new realm, and there's some command ability where you can pick three units and they can fly or something, this gets better and better. It's it's a fine bonus. Uh, it's not incredible. There's better choices if you're going like for raw damage output. You might want to go Celestial Vindicators instead if you're charging them with mm-hmm. Karazai. But if you have a wonky Scions list, this is cool. It's a good bonus. It's a good sub-faction. Yeah. And the last one on the list is the Astral Templars, which were one of the first ones they previewed. And I think my opinion of it is exactly the same as when they showed it to us originally. So their main effect is that they stop all monstrous Rampage effects and their whole army which is either the best ability in the game or totally useless, depending on what you're facing. They also yeah. give you battle line Hunters and Paladors, which we can discuss in a bit. I kind of want to focus on the Monstrous Rampage thing first, because that's a good effect, especially if you're reading the Orc book and seeing that they are tying more and more abilities to Rampages. Yes. Uh, that's a good effect to have. Now, the problem is that there's a battalion that gives you that same effect for troop units, and Stormcasts use a lot of troop units. You know, we don't we don't have that many behemoths that we really want to make immune to stomps because our behemoths are also monsters, which means they're immune to stomps. You know, it makes you well, also a hero units, right? Like, like I, I, if you, you know, if you want to make Indrasta more reliable by making her all out attack something and being on twos and twos, she fits into this because she doesn't go into hunters. Same for things like you know Celestine Primes. Uh, any of our big uh heroes i would say that, that you yeah, can't put any any of your fighty heroes that you can't put in uh hundreds of the heartland if if you know you're going to be facing monsters every round at a tournament this is this is a good pick right even if you don't mm-hmm. use the battle line options just being immune to all that is a good pick because then you don't have to take hunters of the heartland you could take something else and maybe get different bonuses so it's mm-hmm. it's potentially s tier or it's f tier because you're facing another stormcast list that has no monsters or uh, or you're facing a trog list that has no monsters because for some reason Dankhold bosses aren't monsters. It's yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, I, I personally don't like abilities like this. I feel like especially once we leave Gur and the game won't focus on monsters so much, this will drop off in value. And I feel yeah. like based on rumors we've heard of upcoming faction releases, you know, Fire Slayers are getting new stuff, Idnet's getting new stuff, uh, Chaos Dwarves are coming. I don't know how many of them are necessarily going to be using monsters. If the game focuses more on infantry, this just drops off in value, and the battle line hunters and paladors don't really make up for that. They're not the best battle line choices. They are cool. I like that you can teleport around and do stuff. Uh, I think we did a pretty pretty good review of them in our first video. I don't know how many points we need to echo here. Battle line hunters is good, I would say. 
right? If you can replace a Liberator unit for 10 points and give it the ability to teleport around, I think I would do that. But Paladors, yeah. I think, are just not worth their points right now. No, I think, I yeah, no, I just think, yeah, but they could go down to 190, 180 and be, be kind of worth it. But yeah, they're not worth the cost of admission as it stands. Yeah. So. Uh, another issue is that the, the Stormhost here doesn't work on any Cities of Sigmar units, which if you're bringing in allies or if you're playing Stormkeeps, it only works on yeah. the Stormcast. So if you're playing against Maw Crushes and you you give them a stomp target effectively still. So you bring this yeah. cool storm host that's supposed to be this meta counter and then they just completely get around it because they find the right angle to charge you at. Which they will because they're super fast and they can teleport around so you're not stopping them. So it kind of forces you to play only Stormcast and specifically the Scions version I would even say just for more teleporting around. Storm Keeps I don't, I don't see with these guys. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to judge them. <laughs> Somewhere from S through F, we'll we'll figure it out as the meta goes along. Or we'll call it we'll call it A just for this season. I think it's A. It's it's playable. It's good. Um, it depends on how you build your list, obviously. But uh, don't expect this to be eight here or throughout the my, by, uh, by the end of next year. My initial impression is that these guys are B tier along with Tempest Lords. I don't think they're on oh, the same fair. level as Hammers or Vindicators right uh, now. Oh yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I think I would put them on par with Tempest Lords where it's a situational pick that you can make and they're good in that situation. Just because the mm -hmm. Hunter's Battalion exists, right? Like that devalues it so much because the units I typically want to protect I can just put in that battalion. Yeah, but we're also forgetting like when hero monsters or monster sort of disappear, monsters rampages won't even if the season changes. You're but right. we will yep. lose hundreds of the heartland. Yep. But by right. then, who knows what the meta is going to look like? Maybe people won't yeah, spam yeah. monsters because you don't get bonus battle tactic. Yeah, but 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 like that. Then the, I mean, the thing is like the monsters that are good now will still be good, right? Like, and you won't have any way to protect yourself from rampages like you do now. I yeah. I, I, the battle. monsters that are good will stay good. But like for example, yeah. in a lot of our lists these days, we're talking about bringing Torlons because they're a monster, which is good for battle tactics. But if that goes away, suddenly a lot of the value of the Torlon goes away with it, and we wouldn't include that anymore. So mm -hmm. a lot of armies, I think, would make decisions like that. Like Fire Slayers might include an extra Magmadroth or two, right? People might just try casting that spell to make themselves a monster and then try to take advantage of the monster's rampages. And a lot of that just goes away. And I think Astral, Astral Templar value decreases. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's about all there is to say about the Stormhost. Uh, overall, the best ones, I'd say, are Hallowed Knights and Knights Excelsior. And the second best are Hammers of Sigmar and, and Celestial Vindicators, which is a huge improvement over our previous edition where we had... Anvils were the only good one. Hammers were good if you wanted to play Gavriel. And that was it. End of list from, from second edition. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. We've got a lot more options now, a lot more room for uh, unique list building. Yeah, the fact that you don't have to take attacks makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, I love the yeah, I love the bloat cut down. It's like, okay, just customize everything except an army white trait. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I do miss taking the option of not taking a storm host, or maybe like building your own like you can in 40k you can build your own chapters i think that is really cool i wish they did something like that for aos yeah you could always like pretend anvils is that one <laughs> you just don't have an ability <laughs> yeah make the game go faster honestly but ignoring that ability yeah. might speed up the game enough that it would cause you to win think about that because <laughs> if you're if you get timed because you're rolling all those dice and you lose you'd be like yeah, yeah. i shouldn't have rolled those dice so yeah. straight up anvils is worse than no ability <laughs> okay section two we're going to talk about all of our enhancements so this is all the command trades artifacts spells and that's going to include the neutral stuff that every army can use but specifically looking at it through the lens of stormcast armies and how they would utilize it 
same tier mm -hmm. rankings as, as we use for the storm host, S through F. Starting off, we're going to look at the command traits. We'll look at the Stormcast ones first. Now, the first one on the list is Shock and Awe, which used to just be an ability that we had all the time. Now it uh, is there <laughs> as a command trait option. I didn't yeah. like it in 2nd edition. I don't particularly like it now, even though I am trying to make lists around it, because it has some cool interactions, right? So it's any Scions of the Storm unit that was set up in the movement phase doesn't say you have to be set up with scions just set up in the movement phase so if you use vanguard hunters they would count as that if you use a uh, vexel or banner they would count towards that it doesn't work on translocation but it works on a lot of abilities that make you set up that unit in that phase and there's no range mm -hmm. requirement right if your general's anywhere on the battlefield that unit has yep. a minus one to be hit that turn now the problem with that is you're either going to take so much damage back that minus one hit won't matter, in which case, why are you charging out of out of a setup? Uh, yeah. Or you're going to kill whatever you attack, and then you don't need the minus one hit. If it lasted until your hero phase, or something, I don't know. So, okay, I, I, so I agree with the D tier classification, and purely because it's extremely niche. It literally happens in this scenario where, let's say your opponent screens really well, or, I don't know, has like... A Makrasha in the center and 10 Brutes on either side. And so you have to pick an angle at which to charge the Makrasha or something to kill it. And then you'll be stuck in combat with some Brutes. You, I mean, you're going to kill the Makrasha with like four Annihilators. Put the other two into the Brutes. And then if Brutes survive, they'll hit you back. And if you don't want to take any damage, minus one is okay. Like, okay, you're gonna he's going to pop all out attack, obviously, to get rid of that. But that's literally the only scenario I can think of where it's like you have to charge something that's next to something, but you cannot afford to focus your attacks in that other unit. Yeah, and, and it has to be out of a setup charge too, right? Which makes it yeah. automatically less reliable. A lot of units that we want to be... A lot of units that we have that could do that kind of tactic that you're describing are, are split attackers like Fulminators where they could split half their attacks half and half and wipe out two units. And then mm -hmm. you know, whatever damage they take back, you could mitigate. But because... Well, what I don't like scions, about... Yeah. Yeah, yeah but what I don't like about this is, like, this would have been extremely good to have if you could use the Imperitance ability more than once. So, like, I could have two units of Annihilators on either flank charging them at the same time, and then I attack with one, and it's their turn, they attack me, but they're, they're on a minus one to hit. So that would have been more impactful. But oh, yeah. considering you're only dropping things one at a time, I don't think so. I think the only thing keeping this ability out of F tier for me is that Tempest Lords takes really good advantage of it. When you drop a bunch of units in with Scions and then they're re-rolling one dice on the charge, Yes, that's pretty good. I really like that, especially if you have, you know, Celestin Prime always just dies after he charges in. I think even with a four-up ward, he's still, he's still killable. And minus one hit mm -hmm. really goes a long way to stacking onto his already impressive defense. Mm -hmm. So that, alongside with a Karazai maybe dropping in and getting a re-roll because he has a flyer as well, I think there's potential there, and I want to try to build that kind of list. So I'm, I'm putting it in D tier. I don't recommend anyone build it necessarily i don't think Hell it's gonna no, be no, nobody's taking karazai and shock and all you're taking you, <laughs> we'll discuss it but we'll, we're you're not taking that well that's the thing in tempest lords you might not take the other one right well true true yeah. okay because it doesn't yeah, work on perfect. prime it doesn't work it, on, but yeah d, d is I, I think yeah d is it, fine, it's yeah. niche enough to be d i think maybe maybe like a c yeah so staunch defender um jj do you recall what staunch defender did last edition because you're, you're fairly new to the game but maybe maybe you remember what staunch defender used to do I remember that it gave you a pretty good save buff there. Now it's uh, a husk of what it used to be. Yeah, and it was. I really would rather good. I would rather take shock and awe over stuff. <laughs> yes, it was really really good. Oh, that's another thing about shock and awe. It only works for sounds of the storm units. 
and so and the only units that get signed of the storm are stormcast so none of these allies or anything in case you're thinking of shenanigans with that anyway back to staunch defender staunch defender in first edition was insanely broken and then in second edition it was unless you're playing anvils you should be playing staunch defender and yep. at the start of third edition, before this book came out, Sanch Defender was insanely good because it was an all-out yep. defense everywhere around your general all the time. Yeah, yes. it, was it, was like a, it was like a proto-Gardas almost. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now it sucks. Just now, more recently, Gardas is the best. <laughs> Gardas, number one. Star yeah, this paid for the sins of people being annoyed against two up Star Drakes. That's, that's why. Yeah. Storm Keeps are situationally useful. And the reason they're useful is not because of this ability where if your Redeemer gets charged on a 3+, you can deal D3 mortal wounds. That's not why you picked Storm Keeps. So re-rolling the damage that it suffers? Is it the damage yeah. or Could the... It couldn't have been... If it was re-rolled at 3-up, because it's not automatic. Like yeah. You have to roll a 3-up and then do D3. If, if you could re-roll that 3-up, that would be far more useful. If it was just guaranteed D3 when you get charged, that's pretty good, actually. That's like, uh, yeah. th from 2nd edition, there was a spell, Shield of Thorns, if you get charged, take D3. If this mm -hmm. just made your army that, and it wouldn't even be broken because it's just Redeemer units, right? So, yeah. just to be specific here, it's not just damage, it's reroll the dice that determines the number of mortal wounds. Yeah. So it's very situational. Yes. Yeah. It's just bad. It's a bad bonus. Even if you're playing that style, you would not pick this because you still have to be near the general to do it. And you might not mm -hmm. be, or your general's dead or something, right? Like, this is just bad. Like, all the good bad. things I said about shock and awe, the fact that you don't have to be near the general is a big one. It gives you a lot of tactical mm -hmm. flexibility. This, I, pff, it's awful. Just awful. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, Envoy of the Heavens. So Envoy of the Heavens is a weird ability. If, uh, if, if your unit is near the general, and again, this is a bad thing, but if your unit is near the general and it suffers a casualty, the next time it takes damage for the rest of that phase, it has plus one save. So it sounds like a lot of restrictions, which could kill the ability, but I've actually found it to be pretty useful, because a lot of times people will hit you with multiple sources of damage to try to wipe a unit out. Now, obviously, it does nothing for single models, right? And you have to be near the general, and it does nothing mm -hmm. if you just get wiped out in one big attack. But frankly, none of the other command traits would help you in those situations anyway, right? Yeah. Like, single models, you might want to go master of the Celestial Menagerie. But the other yeah. ones are just junk. So if you look at it in terms of opportunity costs, Envoy of the Heavens is not that bad. And if you start yeah. looking at it as, oh, I have reinforced units that are going to require multiple rounds of attacks, both shooting and combat, that's like getting mm -hmm. a free AOD if somebody hits you with a D3 mortal wounds. Yeah, considering how outnumbered Stormcastle are likely to be, even with you know Redeemer-heavy lists, so the chances of you fighting two things at once and losing a model and then not losing anything to the second set of attacks is great. Like if something charges me with six grunters and ten brutes, I lose maybe like two sequiturs or something. You know, having that sequitur gain another save for the attack for when the brutes come in, well, that's awesome. It's a nice bonus. I think, you know, this is what Staunch Defender should have been renamed. Like rename this ability Staunch Defender and it's a, it's a true successor <laughs> yeah. to what that ability used yeah. to do. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. It's not a bad command trait by any means. I think just because relictors are so useful, and if you're using Envoy of the Heavens, it means you have units that you want to translocate around, in which case you want to take High Priest rather than Envoy, but it's not bad. And if they, mm -hmm. down the road, make it so that you can't take the Universal ones anymore, or they change them because there's a new battle pack, then Envoy of the Heavens is, is, is probably going to be the default pick for a lot of Stormcast lists. So mm -hmm. it's a B-tier ability. It's not bad by any means. And we come to Master of the Celestial Menagerie, 
which is minus one to wound on any monster Stormcast units with melee weapons. And I've listed as many yep. downsides as I can to try to not hype myself up about this as much as possible. Age of Sigmar is still a very melee-focused game. Even when there are heavy shooting armies, they, they, the majority of the game is still melee-focused. So even when it does nothing for you, look at your other options. If you're running a monster list, all of your other options are trash anyway. So whatever. Yeah. You're not losing much, right? But in the situations where it's good, it's really good. You have six drakes, yep. you have a Toralon, you have a Star Drake, you have uh, a Nitroconus, you have Karazai, and you stack all these save buffs on them, and then you stack hit debuffs on them, and then you give a minus one to wound as well, and you're like, it's yeah, people are going to hate this. People are going to hate yeah. playing against drakes because of how durable they are, and this is one of the reasons yeah. they're so durable. And there's hardly any wound buffs in other armies. Like Wound buffs are extremely rare. So you're putting things like, uh, most things in the game wound on threes, and putting them to fours is like just cutting that output by a lot. Yeah. And 20, if you think 25%. about something like, yeah, if you think about something like Mortet Guard, who are, are basically, in my opinion, one of the best battle lines in the game, like one of the best, um, they go to wounding on fives, and suddenly your list is so good against them. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's it's a big awesome. deal. It's a if you're yeah. playing 40k, this would be the equivalent of giving all your units plus two toughness for the most part, right? Because people won't. Yep. People always try to shoot you on threes. This this is just yeah. nuts. This isn't if you, this was in 40k, people would be going insane for it. Yep. So it's really good. Now it is very niche in the sense that you have to build around it. Like just having one monster may not be enough to justify this ability. Like if I just had a Karazai in my list, I might not pick this. I might pick something else. But if you have yeah. Drakes, you know, Torlon, Draconis, Big Dragons, Star Drake, yeah, strong ability. It also, fun fact, if you transform a hero into a monster, they gain this effect for that turn, right? They do. Yeah. So if you're running Monster Mash, which seems to be a pretty good way to go right now, this is a strong ability. Out of the four Stormcast command traits, this is easily the best one, even though it is the most specific, just because the mm -hmm. other ones are really bad. Yeah, even despite its niche sort of list building applications, it's just in, in terms of raw power, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the universal traits, first up we have Battle Lust, which allows your general to reroll, run, and charge. Now, Stormcast don't have, well, we have one way to run and charge, and that's with a, a holy command, which I could actually see us using at some point in some lists the ability to run and charge with some big hero or some big unit. Um, sure. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't picture a Star Drake taking this over Master of the Celestial Menagerie. I, I ranked it a C tier because it's not a bad effect, and we do have one way to run and charge. The problem is we have a lot of reroll charges available, so that's a marginal gain there. It's just not not great. Yeah, no. I'd rather run six than, than run and charge most of the time. Yeah. It's a marginal gain to mobility. Uh, skilled Leader... Generate some command points on a 5-up. Stormcast are very nope. efficient with their command points. We don't buff a lot of units, and we have an Imperitant if we really need a lot of command points in one list. And we can take prayers to generate command points, and we have a pretty good prayer dude that can do that. So yeah. I wouldn't take a command trait for that. I would take a nope. command trait to reroll prayers on one Relic yep, That is amazing on Relic yep. Yeah, 35 out of 36 mm -hmm. times you're going to succeed that translocation, which is an insane reliable thing almost 100% like I would always have backup plans if translocation fails previously I don't make backup plans anymore I just rely on it now yeah it's really good even if you're not using translocation you know you can re-roll mm -hmm. the healing prayer you can re-roll the lightning prayer uh, you can re-roll divine light if you're taking that instead high priest should have been a stormcast trait frankly yeah 
heroic stature plus one wound. No, no who cares? Not enough. Yeah, not good. No, uh, might be some shenanigans down the line where specific wound counts are important. But the fact that you can turn a nine wound hero into a ten wound hero and make it weaker, <laughs> I don't like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's that's why it's yeah, that's why it's bad. It's yeah. because it's like it actively like works against you in some cases. Yep. Now it does give you an extra dice for Blaze of Glory. Nah, whatever. Not worth it. Nah, not worth it. All right, and then Master of Magic Stormcast have bad heroes, so if you get to reroll one of those spell casts per turn, it's pretty good. If you're trying to cast a key spell, you know you're trying to get that off, then that's that's a nice accuracy boost for that. It also has the side effect of giving you a, a stronger unbind and dispel if for some reason you're using those. So that's a very good effect, and I would rank that as A tier just because of how useful it is for this army in particular. Uh, having a re-rolling cast on shackles, if you're trying to play like an all-shooting list and you don't want your opponent to come to you, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is that Stormcast mm-hmm. Wizards, the ones that can take this trait, only cast one spell per turn. Right? This is... Yeah. I think we basically have two double uh, level two wizards in our book, and that's and Promise, who can't take it, and Aventus, who can't take it. So... <laughs> So it's good. I, I, I don't mind this at all. And there are some lists where I might not necessarily care about re-rolling a translocation, but I would care about re-rolling shackles or geminids or something like that. So I, I think I would consider this in some cases. Yeah, Maybe agreed. A might be too high. Maybe B might have been a more, more appropriate, but I'll stick with no, the I think, A. I think A is fine. If you if you build a, if you build a list around spells and not necessarily a two-up re-rollable translocation, but just a two-up translocation, then yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Agreed. So overall, mixed bag with command traits. Most of the Stormcast ones are terrible or really specific, and the Universal ones are also specific but really good. So kind of just have to pick based on what your list is doing. And, and in general, the, the ones that are so good, like High Priest and, and Menagerie, are so good that you actually want to build a list around them. You know, you start putting it, you put in a Relic it's like, well, why not re-roll Translocation? Yeah. yeah, command traits are the new Storm hosts of old, so to speak. How do you figure? Well, like we were saying, there were only really two good storm hosts last uh, oh, battle yeah. tome. Now we got the same effect, <laughs> same thing going on with command traits, right? Yeah. yeah. And unlike other enhancements, you cannot take multiples of them. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we at least get to pick them. I, I like that there's... It, it feels like there's less options, but more customization. You know, More viable yeah, options. I agree with that. All right. So, move on to artifacts. Artifacts. Uh, short version, all of our offensive artifacts are junk... For so many reasons that I'm sure everybody already knows. Do we need to point that I out? I half don't want to even discuss them. It's just, oh my god. But I, let's I, just go through them. One thing I want to mention, I don't even care about Blade or Hammer, but the Fang of Dracothian, even in the best case scenario where on the first round, first turn of the first round of the game, you wound a hero, and then it deals one mortal wound for the rest of the game, that damage is just going to get healed through with Heroic Recovery or you're just going to kill him before it matters. Like, if you're hitting them yeah, it's like with you, a hero... You, well, you should be killing him. Yeah, like, who cares about one mortal wound, like, five mortal wounds over five turns? Like, nobody. Well, it would be, it would be nine mortal wounds over nine turns. Oh, right? yeah, it's end of each turn. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> the, game, the game's yeah. not going to go that long. Like, what hero is going to... You know, if you hit Manfred, I guess he's going to bleed out, but he's just going to heroic recovery every turn. Like, it's such a... All the offensive Stormcast artifacts are junk. There's, they're not even worth talking about, really. Uh, but the defensive ones can be quite good. So Drixgale Armor is one of the few ways to reroll saves. Now, I'm, I'm kind of ranking this one a B tier because I don't know 100% if D3 damage counts as damage 2 or more. Like, is D3 equal or more than damage 2? I don't know. I don't think they've defined yeah. that clearly. So if it doesn't count, 
then this is a B-tier artifact, because it only works on damage 2, 3, 4 weapons, and there's not that many of those in the game. A lot of it is D3. Yeah. And even then, it does nothing at all against damage 1 weapons, which you could just get mm -hmm. mobbed down by a bunch of witch elves or uh, bow snakes. They do 1 damage mm -hmm. apiece, and then you'd probably be thinking to yourself, oh, I should have taken the Amulet of Destiny. Yeah. Right, I think so, Amulet is way more impactful than this. Yeah, and, and there's not really many situations where I would think to myself, hey, I want to take an Amulet on one hero and Drake Scale Armor on the other one. I think what I'd rather mm -hmm. do is take the Amulet on one and Mirror Shield on the other one. Because Mirror Shield's yeah. amazing. It's really specific in what it does, but what it does is so good. Uh, yeah. I love it. I it, mean, it just keeps getting better every edition. You know, second edition, yeah, it was minus two to hit rolls. And now it's you just can't be shot. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so to give you some perspective on this, Cruel Boys have two ways of um, avoiding uh, luminate. Uh, sorry, avoiding uh, shooting in general. And one of these is they have a subfaction that, in the first battle round, doesn't let them be seen beyond twelve inches. And the other one is they can cover their. Uh, I think on three units maximum. I think on rolls of four up, they can cover them in mud. And when they're in terrain or when they're in cover, they count as being not visible. Luminate literally doesn't care. Because their little eagle on 30 sentinels will make anything on the board visible. And this thing gets past that, which makes it so good. Yeah, it, it wrecks Caradron, Seraphon, Lumineth. They're trying to kill your support hero. Just can't. You put on a Star Drake, they're trying to get rid of your big threat. They can't. They don't have the mobility necessarily to get something in range. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a very strong ability. Very, very strong artifact. Now, of course, it does literally nothing against a lot of armies in the game. If you have a shooting attacks that don't need to roll to hit or target. It's like yeah. an ability in the shooting phase or magic or all kinds of stuff. This just does nothing. So yeah. it's very specific and you have to always wait against your other options. Um, Amulet of Destiny is one of them. If you're just more worried about taking damage in general or if you just want more value in a list, you can go with an Arcane Tome, which we'll talk about. And the last one is the Amulet of Silvered Sigmarite, which is not fun to say. Mm -hmm. It uh, Enemies can't reroll hits against the bear. Which would have been really good uh, in second is, edition. Yeah, not this would have been good. Like, <laughs> well, not no, not anymore. Well, okay. So, like, let's think about. I I don't know about like when I think of sources and rerolls, I think of, I think of like this is like one of those things where it's like it's written for things that are still stuck in second edition, with rerolls. But even though most of those got FAQ'd out, so I'm not sure what this is for. Even in second edition, I would not have taken an artifact. This is a good war scroll ability. This but would have been a good command trait, actually. A good command trait, sure. This could have been a good uh, Stormhost ability, right? Mm -hmm. But this is not a good artifact because it only works yeah. on the one unit that gets it, and there are better choices for defensive artifacts. Now, I've been talking, you know, maybe they're going to completely change up the battle, battle packs. Maybe we're not going to have Amulet of Destiny anymore in the future. I still wouldn't take this, right? I'd rather take Drixkill Armor. Yeah. It's just, it's not good. And I, I don't even know why I put it in D. I think maybe just in case there's some kind of future meta where you, you all of our artifacts are completely thrown in the air. Like, it's not as bad as the Fang of Dracothian. <laughs> you know, like, it does something as opposed to I mean, I could, I could legit see... I mean, this could maybe see some play if, uh, let's say, the command ability for this edition is, you know, your monster fights at full capacity. The next one could be you could give one thing rerolls. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it works there. Yeah. This, the game would have to change to make this worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't see it happening, but it could. Yeah. So overall, Stormcast Artifacts, there's two good ones, arguably. There's one really good one, and then one okay one. The rest are junk. Just ignore them. 
However, Work. oh, there's three more. Sorry, I forgot about oh, these ones. Oh, there's three more, yeah. Because the <laughs> they're so, ones. yeah, they're just forgettable. Um, Quicksilver draw it. Fight first is a good effect. I don't know how good it is because Stormcast heroes are not that punchy. The punchy Stormcast heroes are all special characters, right? Bastion, Slipper, yeah, Prime, like, the, the thing is, I would love this on, like, Krondus, you know, because he's it, not yep. that, not, not as fighty as his cousin. So it would be, I, I would get to fight first because I charged, and then when it's my opponent's turn, if I didn't manage to kill whatever I was attacking, I can do it again. Yeah, I, I can't even see a situation where you have, like, a big hammer unit, like, Fulminators charge in alongside a fighty hero, and you want them both to fight at the same time. That's a really good effect. How useful is it? Not very. Maybe a Star Drake might yeah. want this once per game, but I'd rather take no, the No, but then, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't Defensive so. artifacts well, like, Why would better. you just take the amulet on Star Drake? Yeah. So yeah. it's not a bad effect if they get rid of a lot of other artifacts. It could see some use. You know, a strategic yeah. fight first once per game. That's worth a Warlord Battalion, maybe. Uh, Luxstone. Okay. The only uses I can see for it are a guaranteed hit roll of 6 or a guaranteed 12-inch charge. But when do you really want this? I can't think of a single thing that can take an artifact that I would want this on. Yeah. Like maybe a Knight Draconis because so the idea being the Knight Draconis doesn't have the same hero phase movement as the Stormdrake Guard, so he can't keep up with them. Um, and if you really want to, I guess, get the Knight Draconis also into combat, you could deep strike him and guarantee your charge with Luxton. But if you deep strike him, he's not going to be able to use his double breath ability. Oh sure, I mean, I'm, I'm, like yeah. I said, it's extremely niche. If you want to save, don't not do the breath in the first round, but on the second rounds or whatever. But but let's be clear: guaranteed twelve-inch charge is a strong ability, and it is worth an artifact slot if you can figure out how to use it properly. I yeah, just, if you ever end up getting a hero who can take this and he's like just fighting out the right out the gate, like in the future, maybe with a second wave with models, sure. Yeah, when the second Thunderstrike units come out in about a year. <laughs> yeah, Sacrosanct Sunday baby. <laughs> uh, Obsidian Amulet once per game, you can make yourself immune to spells. That the bearer becomes immune to spells, which is again a really strong effect against specific threats. You know, Caradron yeah. drop in with the Warp Lightning Vortex, Teclas, Croak, Nagash charging you with eight D three mortal wounds on Arcane Bolts. It's just these are like yeah, it's just so specific. It's it's like they're built for league games and not you know. They're built for Which is okay. Side boards, can be. Right? You put this on a sideboard. I know I'm facing yeah, yeah. Teclas. Okay, slot this in. Which, by the way, more more tournaments have started to do. Like, there was a tournament, I think, two weeks ago that did this. That you Basically, you brought two lists, and you had to play at least both of them at least once. And that I, was I just can't think of a time when, when Stormcast, in particular, the army with access to four-up ignore monstrous cavalry and dispel scrolls and basic heroes, would, would need more oh, yeah. defense against wizards. Yeah. Just Fair. not seeing it. I know? mean, I guess like only like I, like you said, Nagash. Nagash is eighty three mortal wounds. I'd rather not take forty three on my. Well, if you're, if you're fighting Nagash, no. you're gonna win. <laughs> like no <laughs> offense, but like ten protectors <laughs> and, and double tap raptors are just gonna kill him before he can do anything. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. And he's probably he's more likely to miscast. You know, like once in the first two yeah, rounds, yeah, he's gonna miscast cast, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not too worried about Nagash. I might be worried about Croak if Croak was stronger or had longer range. I might be worried about Teclas. You know, if if he had more offensive spells, I might be more worried about the Warp Lightning Vortex if it didn't have to set up more than one inch away from models. Just there's not a lot of good cases for this. It's really good yeah. in those cases. There's just not a lot of them, and you can probably live without it. You know. 
Yeah, it's. I don't think it's worth once the battle, but nothing no. on nothing that's currently that I'd put it on. Right. No. That's all I have to say about that. Especially compared to the universal artifacts, which unbelievably good. I can't believe we're so blessed yeah. to play a game of Age of Sigmar with the Amulet of Destiny and the Arcane Tome at the same <laughs> time. Know. Unbelievable how good these artifacts for, are. For those of you who don't know, Arcane Tome is the reason people aren't taking uh, what's the name of that wizard in the Iron Jaws army? Some, some shaman. That shaman is no longer seeing play. Yeah. Because the best thing to do is put that put that on a mockery ship. Yes, your cabbage is now also a wizard. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's a better wizard than the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Amulet of Destiny, if you've played any 3rd edition, every single list has an Amulet of Destiny. We've already said so much about the 5-up board between the, uh, these two episodes. What else is there to say, right? Yep, it's a 50% really? durability increase. You know, it takes 50% more wounds to kill you on average. And that's just insane in any army. I can't yeah. think of an army that doesn't want that. And Agreed. the Arcane Tome, Stormcast Heroes are very expensive. And a lot of times with list building, I find myself, okay, I've got my... Encanter, a Castellant, a Relictor. I don't have enough points to add another hero because I want specific setups of units. Okay, cool. Yeah. The Relictor is now also a, a wizard. And yeah. he's a lord. The Mystic so, Shield is so good this edition that you, you never not want it in a list, right? Yep. So, the, the small having, additional utility is worth losing a one drop. In most cases, I would say I would run a Warlord Battalion instead of Battle Regiment just to get an extra wizard. You know, it's another Unbind, mm -hmm. it's another Dispel, it's another Mystic Shield or Celestial Blades or Chain Lightning or whatever. It's just good utility. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, for some reason, our Lord units have different ranges than our Knight units, like it just further devalues the Knight Arcanum. Rest in peace. Yeah. And Seed of Rebirth to re-roll Heroic Recovery. No. no. No, never. Why would you take this? No. We're Bravery would. 9 and 10 heroes. We don't need to re-roll it for the most part. Just take the Amulet of Destiny instead. <laughs> that's all I have to say about right. that. Yep. That's, and that's, that's right. Yeah, let's talk about the spell lore. Uh, so Stormcast spells are, I would say, overall an improvement over the last book. The last book had a lot of generic deal light amount of mortal wounds with high cast values in low ranges. It was, I think by the end of second edition, you could call it one of the worst spell lores in the game. Um, wait, say that again? I, the by, the end, by the end of second edition, the Stormcast spell lore in that book, the second edition book, was maybe the worst in the game. It was really bad. I agree. Literally the only spell worth salvaging was the uh, Azerite Halo. Maybe Starfall early on. No. Where, where you could no randomly... Last Starfall was terrible. You could, Which one was Starfall? Was... Six up. Starfall was the one where you rolled a dice for each model, uh, each unit on yeah. the battlefield. On a six, it did one more wound. Yeah, I used that in my uh, Anvil Strike list because sometimes oh, you just weren't in range to do horrible. anything else. Sometimes you weren't range, man, and it's like oh. I would. I would rather do I, Paul. I would rather do lightning blast that had an unlimited range of D three more loops. Like, yeah, <laughs> Starfall was so bad. I liked please, it, please but it, you know, please don't defend that spell, please. I'm gonna defend it. I don't care. I liked it. I used it, and I was <laughs> I was good at the game. So you know, come at me. <laughs> um, okay, so lightning blast is still there. It's still easy to cast. It's still infinite range. You still can't choose what you hit. It has to hit the closest enemy model, but. Uh, it, you know, it's nice on night heroes because they don't they have lower range on spells typically. This is infinite range. It gives them something else to do. Yeah. I'd rather cast one of the next two spells instead or Mystic Shield. I can't see myself casting Lightning Blast. Really. I, I used to use this a lot with uh, second edition where it's like if my night because Mystic Shield wasn't worth it back then. But uh, so this thing was used to be like, OK, I'll just cast it and do D3 to something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's still useful. 
is softening things up in the mm-hmm. hero phase is really useful, especially um, I would say on, on, on a hero like a Toralon or Krondis, so mm-hmm. you can help score battle tactics. Like if you want to kill stuff with a monster, something's got you know two or three wounds left, you might want to just plink it off and then get mm-hmm. the battle tactic easy. Uh, yeah, I think changes to Arcane Bolt and then Mystic Shield becoming so good this edition uh, sort of devalue this spell more, but mm-hmm. it's still it's still fine. It's still a niche spell. It's fine. Yep, the C tier, it's it's there. I don't see myself putting it in a lot of lists, but it's not bad. Azurite mm-hmm. Halo still works on melee oh. and shooting. Um, still okay. still really good. Right now, it's not so good because we're not in a high volume attack meta. Right? Yeah, well, that could very easily change. It could. Tour. Yep, Witch Elves are always there. Hearthguard Berserkers are right around the corner with the new Fire Slayer mm-hmm. book coming soon. More tech garb, even, you know. Yep. Anything that wants to do lots of damage, especially against other Stormcasts, if they're using crossbows, oh, you're going to be glad yeah. you have Azurite Halo. On Unleash right. Hell, it's hilarious how many wounds you can do back to them. And when you have yeah, a 2 save... Yeah, because our saves... Yeah, because our saves are already... The armor saves are pretty good. So, mm-hmm. so if you can have a 2-up or 3-up save and you're just tanking all these attacks and just getting free value off on the top with mortal wounds, because this works on shooting, too. It's just... Oh, it's so good. Now, what, one thing... One good thing about this is if, if even if you die, right, if, you're still going to deal mortal wounds back because the saves happen before the wounds are allocated. Right. Mm-hmm. So after all the attacks are resolved, you might die, but you're you're still going to do back all the mortal wounds that you did from save. Well, also six. it costs any rend that goes above your save because it's unmodified sixes. I think. Yeah. When's that going to happen against Stormcast? Who's going to hit you with a rend I mean, attack? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you when exactly. If you were if you're bad enough to take a Drake Thorn Templar and you get hit by negative three rend. <laughs> you still you still have your options, man. You still have AOD. You still have Mystic Shield and Castellant. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm Storm, just Stormcast. Yeah, but I'm just, if you're saving on yeah. fives, you're doing it wrong. You know. Yeah. Like, you should be on on twos and threes all the time with Stormcast when you're getting hit. You should manage your save rolls appropriately. Um, yeah, it's good. Azure Halo is fine. I think it's easier to cast. Yeah. I think it's a five. Yeah. All of it, spells, used to, it was always a five. It was always. Was, a five. I thought it was a six. <laughs> no, I think it was. It was. I think it was always a five. Not well, I might be wrong, but it doesn't. Whatever. It's whatever. Um, Celestial uh, Blades. Red Halo. Yeah. Celestial Blades is the best spell in the book. You want to take yep. one of this in every list. If you're taking an encounter in every list, you should take this spell at least once in every list because mm-hmm. you you will have some melee unit in your army that wants to use this, unless you're exclusively using Grand Hammers. Yeah. Or you're just using even, Deep Strike. But even, even then, that good. also like it, it's so good in the. Uh, if you ever manage to fight a Stormcast Mirror who's using Drake's with that Celestial Menagerie trait, this thing counteracts it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a, a solid ability. I, I can't see a reason not to take it. Um, yeah, bring it. Use it. It's All good. Right. Chain Lightning. Yeah, just keep in mind it doesn't work on uh, on shooting, just on melee. Yep. Uh, Chain Lightning I ranked higher than Lightning Blast because it's it's D3 Mortal Wounds targeted rather than the closest <laughs> thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm finding it actually quite useful in Torlons in my list because I bring them specifically to score battle tactics. I have enough mm-hmm. wizards to cast other spells like Halo, Social Blades, and, and Mystic Shield. And sometimes I want a D3 targeted Mortal Wound effect. The fact that it does area of effect damage, not a big deal to me. Uh, I just like it on Torlons for battle tactics specifically. So that's why. Otherwise, I would probably rank it C or D. But yeah. specifically because monsters can cast it, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Can I, can I, I have one gripe with this spell, exactly one. It's that Cities of Sigmar has this exact same spell, except the splash effect is also D3 more wounds. So yeah. like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, you see, Sigmar was drunk. 
We'll see what happens. Sigmar's like, Sigmar's like, <laughs> don't be nerds. We want you to fight first and be nerds later. I have a feeling, like, this is a bit of an off-topic off thing, but I was thinking about this earlier. I have a feeling that when the cities of Sigmar get updated, they're going to have a split in their army, just like Stormcast do. Uh, you're going to be able, you're going to be able to pick your whatever Stormkeep, or you're going to be able to pick Dawnbringer Crusade. So you're either going to be a defending yes. army or you're going to be an attacking army, just like Stormcast. I think there's going to be yep. that duality there. So it's going to be cool to see uh, how they ex exactly develop that. If they do, I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have any insider information. I don't know nothing. Uh, Thundershock, very strong effect, right? And uh, minus mm -hmm. one to wound on everything in an area on a three plus. That's that's the, the killer for me, is that it's on a three plus. Because you have to cast it first, and it is a cast value six, unlike a lot of other, other spells, which are only fives. And... It does affect every unit in range, and it does work on melee and shooting. But the yeah. fact that you have to roll a three plus, I just I yeah. despise that. I despise yeah, multiple six, levels of means, randomness. Yeah, like uh, I I think two up would have been better because three up means if you're doing this on six units in range, you'll feel it on two of them. It'll, it'll suck. Yeah. Now so. it, it it doesn't stack with menagerie, which is generally what we care about keeping alive as big monsters. Like this is fine, but a lot of lists are just gonna kill stuff before it matters. And I'm not gonna. I just hate the fact that I have to roll so many random things. Like yeah, roll to cast, I, I roll to say, unbind. Okay, and I'll I'll consider upgrading this to B tier if you're playing like on Redeemer Castle, like a Redeemer heavy castle, and you're willing that castle up before you, you can break yourself out. And then when things attack your castle from all angles, you can go get okay, all thunder shock and a bunch of units are not, not as good anymore. Maybe I, like maybe I could see it in that Indrasa list that I was talking about, the Retributors, you know? You're just trying mm -hmm. to weather, reduce their damage long enough so that you can survive, and there's not a lot of other defensive spells in here, right? So that mm -hmm. that could go a long way. Doesn't do anything against Mortal Wound armies, doesn't do anything against abilities, it just wound rolls. Like, there's limits, random. Good spell, though. I, I, mm -hmm. I want to try to make it work, despite all the griping I just did about it. Uh, mm -hmm. Starfall is the same thing, right? Um, cast the spell. It's an easier to cast spell. It's only on a five, and denying pylon is really good. But again, three plus. So it's I don't know how many times does roar fail for you. This is going to be exactly as accurate as roar in an area, mind you. But <laughs> don't like that. Three I mean, plus. if it was, uh, I don't know if I like three inches at that point. You maybe hit one unit with that. If I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. It, it is also a smaller range too. So mm -hmm. yeah, not feeling it. Not even out of a spell yeah, no. portal with Krondus, I just don't yeah. I, I wouldn't give up a spell slot for this. No, no. maybe. Even. I really wish we had a. I really wish we had a wizard that just knew the lore. I was really expecting Krondus to do it, like or just know the whole story. You might think Aventus might. Yeah, Aventus. Yeah, because you know that seems to be the common theme. It's like if you're a master wizard, like Gobsprack knows the entire lore. It's like why doesn't Aventus know the lore? It's yeah. weird. I mean, I could see use for it against Soulblight uh, when it comes to Radikar. He has a six-inch pylon. Um, but yeah, there's just other ways to dispatch him, right? So, I bet you when they release Thunderstrike Stormcast, we'll get a hero who knows the lore, and then it'll be good because situationally you might use it. Hey man, so. maybe it's the Celestial Warbringers Lord Lord Commander. Right. I hope so. <laughs> he just comes out of nowhere <laughs> and is like a huge hero in the in the story, and everybody loves yeah, him, yeah. and everybody looks back on this podcast and like, whoa, I can't believe these guys talk shit about Celestial Warbringers. <laughs> 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 He's got like five horns strapped to him so he can do the 1.0 uh, list. <laughs> okay. Wow. Universal spells. Uh, flaming weapon. It's okay, right? If you if you give an Arcane Tome to a Nitroconist, they can have damage 3 attacks instead of damage 2 yeah. with Rend 3, which yeah. is... Rend 3, which is amazing. That's a Galmaraz, right? That's... that's yeah. Celestin Prime. Celestin Prime. 
Yeah, with two more attacks. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? Is the model itself already has a flaming weapon. Yes, so it's quite fitting. <laughs> yeah. Now, I wish I could use this on Krondis or Aventus, oh. you know, but you can't. Let's uh, not that crazy here. And <laughs> yeah. all of our wizards are generally not the highest damage attackers. They usually have Rend 1, where you really want to stick this on Rend 2 or Rend 3 attacks. So mm. marginal value on a Toralon or a Lord Arcanum of, of any kind, really. It's really just useful if you give an Arcane Tome to a hero that has a Rend 2 attack. But I don't, I can't see a lot of lists where you'd rather cast Flaming Weapon instead of one of the defensive spells that we have. So it can be useful, and for all the Timmies out there that just want to run forward with, with Wizard Dragons that have Flaming Weapons, it's going to be great. I yep. just think there's better choices. Yep. It can be used on mount attacks, by the way. So if you find a really cool mount yeah. attack, you can stick it on there. Yeah. Uh, levitate, cast value 8. I think that's enough to say about that. Yeah, no. Given how terrible our casting is. Yeah. Why is it 8? Nope. Because uh, fly with some things that have insane movement gets you over things. But then most of the things already fly that you want to get over things. With, so who cares? Like, were they worried that it would just break the game if you could have a, a chariot fly around? Like, would, would that break Slanesh? Maybe. Like, having Sigwell fly around, or what's his other name, that other uh, big one, Glutos? Or that, that would be, I think, that could be good. Uh, mm -hmm. Good enough that you have to make this cast value 8? Why don't you just put a wound restriction on it? Models with wounds yeah, later. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't. I don't think I don't they know. gave it much thought. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Just, whatever. Tempest Lords can re-roll a dice. Sure, whatever. Pass. Uh, Ghost Mist. Yeah. You know, maybe someday Levitate's good. Uh, that's why I put it in D. It's not complete garbage. It's good effect, but no, it's not worth casting. Yeah. It's hard to cast. Ghost Mist. No. Also a pass. Like the yeah. blocking line of sight is a good effect, but you have Scions to block line of sight. Yeah. Just put Not only that, reserve. but like, let's say you're playing like, okay, so I think, I can't remember, I think it was Old Legion of the Prince, or like, I think Slaves of Darkness has this thing on a Demon Prince, where like, any terrain he goes into, essentially he turns the terrain black. And I've seen lists where that has been like, really good, because it was all melee lists, and he was just completely wrecking like, Terradron Overlord players with that. But it's not, I don't think it's worth a spell slot, and it's especially not good because you have to cast it, it's not something you get yep. automatically. Yep, so. and, and Unique Wizards can't take it, again. Just yeah. to... And I don't know, I, I don't know how your local meta is, but some people don't play just ignore with a lot of terrain. Terrain is just like this thing that beautifies the battlefield rather than forces forcing you know interesting choices on the players on on how to fight. Well, I, I so, don't want to say they're know. playing the game wrong, but they are playing the game wrong. It's way more yes, fun. Yes, I, 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 yeah, I agree. Like most GTs have better terrain, you know. Thank goodness for that. But mm -hmm. it's like a lot of games, you, your terrain won't even matter. It's it'll be treated as this thing that's not there until it's there. So. Well, even in the best case scenario, what armies really care about this? Lumineth, they could just shoot through it anyway. They don't care about line of sight. Mm -hmm. Seraphon yeah, can teleport around it. It's a bit of an obstacle for them. Caradron, just deep strike around it. So marginal. And then yeah. it blocks your own shooting, too. Like, you can't turn it off. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No way. Talk about the prayers. Um, Stormcast prayers, we've talked a lot about these ones. They're all great, I would say. You'll notice Bless Weapons is in C tier. And there's reasons for that, but Divine Light is awesome. It's the, mm -hmm. the only way in the Stormcast book to reroll hit rolls a one. Only works on one unit. It has to be within 18 inches, unless you're some kind of idiot who took a Knight Relictor, then, yeah, then it's 12 inches. But yeah, one yeah. unit within 18 inches, you get to reroll hit rolls a one against it. It's good. It's a good prayer. It's good enough that I considered bringing a second Relictor to a lot of my lists. Yeah. And then Translocation, it's so good. 
do we need to talk about it more? It's incredible. No, it's 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 so. For those of you wondering, like, the thing about big, tough dudes with lots of armor and lots of damage, just you know, a straightforward, honest Warhammer, is that you need mobility, right? And you need you need to be able to deliver guys reliably into combat. You need to get them where they need to go, or they're bad. They get charged, or they get shot, and then they get removed from the board. This is your mobility. We have lost Gabriel Shorhart. We have lost the Night Heralder. This is how you move things into combat. And we're not going to talk a lot about uh, Iron Jaws, but Iron Jaws have some insane mobility and repositioning in third edition, where they can move three things in the hero phase. They can move every time they fight something or kill something. You know, they can uh, pile in out of phase. You know, charge out of phase, move out of phase. It's insane. And that's basically solving that problem. This is the only thing in our book that solves that problem outside of the uh, Stormdrake hero phase move in charge. Yeah, translocation is insane. It ensures units that want to keep charging if you keep them near Relictor and Holy Within 18 is very reasonable. If you want to take them out of combat, put them somewhere else just to charge back into the same combat to get charge bonuses, you can do that. If you want to uh, throw protectors, 10 protectors across the field to go contest an objective, they can do that. Translocation is insane. You, you should put translocation in your list. There's, I can't think of a reason not to, honestly. Yeah, it's always good. It's good defensively, it's good offensively. It, there's never a situation where you're not taking yeah. a relic with this. And it's, it's stuck on a hero that has plus one to cast it, right? So on a two plus yeah. all the time, and has six wounds and a three up save. Like, this is not a fragile hero like a lot of other support yeah. armies have, or a lot of other support yeah. heroes that other armies have. Yeah, translocation's insane. Plus it weapons, can go ahead. I was just going to say, it can win you games very easily. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and for, you know, it's going to take other armies time to adjust to how good it is and how they need to play around yeah. it. Yeah. I just, yeah, the only downside I would say, and, like, it could get FAQ'd because people are saying it's overpowered, even though it's not. And because the thing is, people can respond to it because you can move after teleporting as it's currently worded, but people can respond to it with a redeploy. Like, Redeploy was not seeing much play at all because it's such a niche ability and like you can't think of any use for it. This is what redeploy is for because on average they can make your like if you do ten protectors and you move up four inches, they could turn your charge into an average of eight inches using redeploy. Yeah, it's it's a good ability. There's counterplay to it. I think it's it's okay for things to be strong, right? Like other armies yeah, I have just, strong it, no, things. It, no, it's it's the it's the old adage of it's a cardinal sin because it's never been done before. Yeah. It's like you're breaking it's like you're breaking a cardinal rule of uh Sigmar. Every you know, army has not a, realizing. Every army yeah, has I mean, a unit that breaks. That's how power is expressed in the game, right? Like Luminate ignore pylon rules with the the wind charging temple or whatever. And ignore and, you know, that's how you express power. Yeah. It's like that's how you express power. You're yep. used to it. <laughs> that's how every game is designed, right? The reason you write rules is so that you can break them with specific things and then that becomes a cool thing to do. That's just mm -hmm. how games work. You don't write rules so that you every unit follows them. Yeah. And and Stormcast as the teleporting one unit around heavy armor dudes, that's a cool thing, right? It fits their yeah. their fluff in it. Anyway, I'm sure there's going to be lots of discussions about this. I don't want to get into Yeah, I don't want to have a more argument about yeah. this, but it's good. Take it. Yeah. Take it for now. Yeah. Use it, get good with it. Hopefully it doesn't get changed. Yep. Um, Bless weapons is a good effect. It works on melee and shooting to get exploding hit rolls of 6. Unfortunately, most of our shooting units already have effects on hit rolls of six or just hit rolls in general. Uh, you mm -hmm. can't buff units that are in reserve, right? It happens in the hero phase, this this prayer and reserve units come in at the end of movement. And it's a strong effect, but it's not that strong, right? Like there's other ways to get that effect. 
Uh, in particular, mm -hmm. you could just do Celestial Vindicators, as we were talking about in the Stormhost section. It doesn't work on Dragon Breaths. It doesn't work on Star Soul Maces. Y yeah, it's fine. It's a good Force yeah. Multiplier, but I think Divine Light's just better. Yeah. No, I mean, I, this would like this is my third priest. Uh, this is my third pick on a yeah. priest. And, no, and I don't think we pick. have the points to run three priests. If there was a yep. Arcane Tome equivalent that turned a hero into a priest, I'd love that. And I would mm -hmm. totally turn my Lord Castellan into a priest because I'd rather be doing these prayers than, even on a three up, I'd rather do these prayers than cast, uh, you know, a Mystic Shield or something. Yeah. Uh, universal prayers, guidance, you can get command points. Like we talked about before, Stormcast are very efficient with their command points, but don't generally need any more. And getting mm -hmm. one on a, even on a four up with a Relictor is not worth losing Translocation or Divine mm -hmm. Light. So this is a yeah. third priest that you're bringing here that has this. Maybe uh, an allied priest could use this. I could see that. If you have, uh, I could see a rune lord using it, maybe. Yeah, if you're playing Stormkeeps yeah. and you have a rune lord, sure, extra command point on a five up. That's not bad. Uh, heal. We already have a healing prayer. The Relictor has mm -hmm. one. Uh, heal is a low range heroic recovery and healing storm in a pinch is, is enough healing. If you really need more, you should probably take dedicated healing sources like a life swarm. Yeah, or so it's, it's it's a fine ability to have. I just, yeah, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't pick it. <laughs> I wouldn't explicitly go for it. Yeah, yeah. Curse has all the same problems as blessed weapons, uh, except it's a much lower range. It's and it doesn't stack with blessed weapons or any of our other effects that do it. So, so everything that I talked about with blessed weapons, curse has the exact same problem. Stormcast are not hurting for mortal wounds now. We do quite a lot, especially with uh, protectors and fulminators yeah. doing their dragon breaths and whatnot. We do a lot of damage. We do enough mortal wounds. I don't, and we're not the highest volume attackers in the game. Although, I think is most of our damaging units are minus two rend and good damage to where a single mortal wound here or there, it's not going to make a difference. Like we don't have pure volume of attacks. We most rely on good quality attacks. So this is not curse is not a thing you normally take. Yeah, the the units we have. Like, you could think, okay, well, I'm going to translocate a unit and then curse it. That would be cool, but curse is only 9 inches, right? So you can't even yeah, do that. Like, yeah, units... like, that having such short range sort of kills this thing for me. Because I could see it stacking with our crossbows, because our crossbows generate two hits. But instead of another hit where you have to roll a wound roll for, I would much rather just have a free mortal wound. But yep. it's it so could... short range that it's not going to matter. It could be good on hurricanes. It could have been good on vindictors if they didn't already have a hit six mortal wound effect. Um, yep. <laughs> vanquishers? Is this how you make vanquishers good? <laughs> No. Okay, so hear, hear me out. Like, I guess because the curse thing does it in addition, does that make Vindictors better because you still retain the hit roll? Yeah, it does make them better, but it makes a lot of units better. Yeah. Like, it would make yeah, Vindictors yeah. better, but is that worth the prayer? No, I don't think it's worth it. No. Yeah. no, it's very niche. Like, like yeah, that's why C, C probably... You know, you're yeah. winning on a 3-up with Rend 1. How often does that damage go through? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're not doing them to do damage, so yeah, you're right. And it's only against the one target you curse. So if something kills that, it's just not that good. It's a fine effect. I'm sure it'll see some use. Somebody will make it work. I don't don't 100% think it works in Stormcast. I, I probably should have ranked Heal and Curse one tier lower each. Yep, probably. Probably should have done that. All right, moving on. Mount Traits. So Stormcast have a bunch of Mount Traits. You'll see a note at the bottom there. The Torolan can't pick any of these because I don't know. Uh, please email Games Workshop. I will put their email in the description of this video. Please send them an email asking them why the Torlon can't use mount traits, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's odd. It feels like it should. Yeah, it's odd. Um, mm -hmm. Going through them, first up, Etheric Swiftness. 
your hero can pile in six and pile in from six. That is a very strong effect. I would have loved that on anything except the units that can take it. Yeah. Like, why would I care if a Griff Charger can pile in from six? They're teleporting. They have to be more than nine. Nope. Don't care there. Uh, Lord Celestin on Dracoth basically doesn't exist. And the Dracoline mm-hmm. piling in from six is fine, but is that worth a mount trait? Probably not. No. On a Star no, Drake, that would have been sick. You could have you could yeah. run, have a huge flying model, run, and then just walk into combat without having to charge, without triggering Unleash Hell. Would have been yeah. good. But yeah, I can't really see this uh, taking too much use. I mean, the thing, the thing is, like, not even any of our buffs... Like, this could have been good in like in, with your hero having to keep match with your chargers, something like uh, if the old staunch defender was there, but you know all that's gone. Anything that would require your hero to be piling in or charging with your units, like it's not yeah. that necessary anymore. It's so. a, it's still a strong effect. I think strong enough to keep it out of the D tier, like uh, some of mm-hmm. the other ones we're going to talk about later. Just comparatively, it's a better effect. So yeah, it's not great. Not recommending people take it, but it is good, and it's a lot of armies wish they had this. It's a strong effect. Yep. Yeah. The next one is for Star Drakes only, and you do it mm-hmm. instead of doing a rampage. And on a three plus, you pick an enemy unit, and they have minus one to hit you. So it's not bad because it gets past hunters with the heartland. Yes, because it's not a monster's rampage. That's correct. It gets past any immunity to rampages. Uh, the fact that it's on a three up kind of sucks. Yeah, and it's only against one unit within one inch. But hit hit debuffs are are a lot harder to get in this book. So that's true. If you're taking a Star Drake. Um, you should probably take this mount trade on it. But think of it this way, right? Where it's like, it, it's it's like it's good because I agree with the A tier ranking because it's like sometimes you just want to roar. Like roar is a pretty good ability to have to use as a monstrous rampage, in my opinion. Where it's like, oh, I'll shut off your all-out defense or all-out attack. This way, like you are making sure that if they survive, they cannot do all-out attack. Or they have to do all-out attack in order to be worth hitting anything. Yeah, and you and you could do a roar with another unit like a, a storm drake or a Toralon. It's not like you have mm-hmm. to use the star drake to do a monstrous rampage. There's other units yeah. you could put in your army. So the fact that this gives up a rampage is not the biggest deal in the world. Now, if you only have yeah. one monster, maybe you'd rather roar. But no, this is fine. It's another defensive thing. Like if you get roared and you can't all out defense, you'll be glad you yeah, have this option that. to do minus one hit. Yep. So it's it's a good ability. I like it. Um, I've been playing with uh, Celestial Instincts instead, but I think if I play Star Drake, I'm going to switch over to Light of the Young Stars. Yep. Speaking of which, Celestial Instincts is really good. Yep, Retreat and Charge is amazing. Or Retreat and Shoot. Sometimes that's what yeah. you want to do instead, like uh, Retreat and then do a Reign of Stars. Yeah, or Dragon Breaths. Like, if you, you can, because you can, I'm pretty sure you can take non-traits on, can, you, you can take non-traits on unique units, can you? No. No, unique okay, but, can't take them. yeah. Okay, okay, never mind that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, you can still do it on the Knight Draconis, right? Because he's yep. like he's a, he's a he's a tanky fighter, and being able to retreat and then fire breath something not in combat and then charge. Well, you can't good. do both. You you retreat. Yeah, you and can either, either shoot, shoot or, or charge. charge. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. on the Draconis, I'd I'd probably charge back in. Yeah, but for other things, it's situational that it lets you shoot as well. But retreat and charge. <laughs> if you just treat it like that, this is easily the best mount trait. Yeah, yeah. I mean, amazing. there's so many times where my Star Drake has gotten stuck fighting like two models because I just didn't couldn't get that last two points of damage in. And yep. being able to just get out of that combat, ignore that unit, is so good. Oh, and it's got such a big base that sometimes yeah. things just pile in, and you're like, Ugh, really again? Okay. 
Yeah. It's, it's a pain. Um, it's great. Celestial Instincts. Now, I will say that if Torlon, for some reason, does get the ability to use mount traits, keep in mind that Torlon's Comet Trail only activates on a normal move. So if you make a retreat move, you do not activate we'll Comet work. Trail. A retreat move and a normal move are two different things in this edition. So just keep that in mind. Envoy of Lightning. Um, it, it's like the Annihilator impact when they land from Deep Strike. On a 4-up. Yeah, it's on a 4-up instead of a 3-up, and it's just D3 Mortal Wounds. I, no. I tr- really struggle to think of situations where any of our mounted heroes will want to be in Scions and will also want to take this trait instead of something else. I'll tell you when. Literally one use I can think of. Put them in Tempest Lords for a more reliable... It has to be a Flying Lord. It can't be like... So Nitroconus. <laughs> it can be a... Nitroconus, that's it. In which yeah, case, you, never... you want them on the table to double breath. Yeah. It's... <laughs> no, it's not good. Maybe... Making, it... make, t- turning the Annihilator thing from a 3-up to a 4-up kills this for me. Like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. It's... it's uh, okay. Here's the only use I can see for it. If you're building that list that does Splash Mortal Wounds, this is more Splash Mortal Wounds that doesn't cost points or you know, any other artifact or anything, right? You can put yeah. this, this is it. More mortal wounds. Okay. I wouldn't take it, <laughs> but... No, I would. It's, it's not that good, no. Um, scintillating Trail. When I first read this, I thought it was minus one from casting rolls, and I was excited, because I thought, oh, double that up with Star Drake, or nope. you know, make wizard battles. No, it's minus one to unbinding rolls, and only against spells cast by your Stormcast Wizards, so no allies or cities or anything, and only while the Stormcast Wizards are within 12 inches. Like, based on the wording here, take a look at the specific wording, because it says... Yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> in a way, it's a, it's, a, it's a very cute way to give them plus one to cast. Like, not, not really, because you're not, it's not helping you get the spell off, it's sort of helping the, you get the spell off in the sense that your enemy can't unwind it. Yeah. Um, so... It's a, it's a very roundabout way of giving you plus one to cast, but not really. No, only against competing wizards. So, like, if you kill their wizards and they're not unbinding anymore... Like, a lot of armies don't have a lot of wizards, right? It's, it's Not every army has a Teclas or a Croak or a Nagash. Yeah, yeah, So and This is, like, one of those things, like, I could see this in a list where, like, it's like, if do I really need Krondis' spell to go off? <laughs> if you're and using if Evocators, yes. if you're using Evocators, this is fine. Like, the more spells you add, the better this gets. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Back, yeah, yeah, just not not the biggest fan of this one. I could actually, uh, I could, yeah, you're right. If I build Locus, okay, so and not not a competitive list, but if I build like, if you want to build a fun three two list with just using units in the Sacrosanct Chamber, you could give this to like, and the FAQ the Tolerant, you could give this to a Tolerant. Yes. This Star seems Drake. like it was made for the Tolerant, so I'm I'm surprised to not see it in yeah. the Mount Trade list. But yeah. the, uh, I don't know what's going on there? Yep, especially given the the flavor text there about. <laughs> the yeah. magic of Azir is attracted to the creature, and that's what Tarlons do. They hang around in the in the ether. Anyway, yeah, maybe if if evocators get better, this will get better too. The more yeah. the more spells you're casting, the better this gets. Not a huge effect even in those situations, though. All right, yep. uh, thunderous presence. The last one here, only for Draconith, which is the Knight Draconis. He's the only hero that can take this. No, nobody else has that trait keyword. Uh, instead of doing a rampage on a three plus, you can make them not receive commands in the battle shock phase. So effectively, you're just stopping inspiring presence. Yeah, um, this How, is situationally strong, I would say. Sure. Yeah, I think Stormcast do enough damage that we're going to wipe stuff out before we rely on battle shock. 
So it, this is yeah. for the situations where you're, you know, you have some pepper damage like dragon breaths or ballistas, and they kill maybe six out of ten models, and then your opponent's like, oh, I'm going to use a command point. But it's like inspire. it's not even yeah, it's like pick one unit within one. Frankly, like, uh, I would rather have my opponent use that command point. Than, yeah, and and get rid of that as a resource. And yeah, you have because to give up because the thing is, yeah, because if you're telling them your unit's not going to survive battle shock, they'll like do some crazy things with their they'll AOD instead. Like, yeah. Yeah, they'll be instead. Yep. Or uh, the fact they have to give up a rampage, and it's not guaranteed, and it's a super niche thing. It should have been D tier. Uh, the more yeah. I talk about it, it should have been D tier. It's a good effect, right? If the meta ever shifts towards inspiring presence hordes again, we're going to yeah. radically change our list, and we might start using this. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah I was like, honestly expecting a like because they made a core rule around monster rampages. Maybe like a dragon to have two monsters rampages instead of one, and that's when I could see this really. Yes, if that ever becomes the case, yeah, sure. I, I frankly thought we were going to get something like that, right? Yeah, but maybe not. We're not the tricks faction or the heavy hitting good yeah, armor factions. I guess which which faction we'll see we that. Get? We will. I mean, there's no doubt we're going to see that in future factions. I'm thinking rampages. That's okay. Seraphon, probably Thunder Lizard are going to be all about the rampages, and I could see mm -hmm. maybe Beast Claw Raiders since they're all about yeah. monsters too. Yeah, like pick one monster and gets two monsters rampages or something. Yeah, or it can repeat a rampage that you've already done this turn, something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, last up, holy commands. Uh, so these are specific command abilities that only Stormcast Eternals can use, and there are specific requirements for using them. These work like the old command abilities from Second Edition, where you needed a hero nearby to activate them, and they're mm -hmm. the only abilities that work that way. A lot of other command abilities, or every other command ability, I should say, you could just do it with unit leaders or a totem nearby or something. This requires mm -hmm. a Stormcast Eternals hero. And there's specific mm -hmm. ranges based on whether you're a knight or a lord or draconith. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry, I was mistaken earlier when I said draconith uh, was only knight draconis. Technically, the big drakes are also draconith, but yeah. they can't take mount traits, so it's irrelevant. Yep. Okay, so holy commands. Uh, the first one here is Call for Aid, which is a ghetto version of the old Hammers of Sigmar command ability, which would revive a unit on a 5 plus when it died. In this case, yep. the unit is guaranteed to revive, which is good. That's a, I like not rolling dice <laughs> it's a dice game yeah. i want to reduce the number of dice i roll because i hate dice that's why i play this game yeah it's uh it's d because you know there's not a lot of value in you know taking a whole enhancement for or taking an extra enhancement even just for this ability because you are at max at, at best you're going to replace like five indictors now where i can see this being useful is maybe you're in a battle plan where you quickly need to snipe an objective with a vindictor unit early in the game so you quickly just take it, you take the charge on it, and then you replace it. And then it's like, okay, I got the points, they did their job, they died, who cares? Yeah. This is this is a good tool to have in your pocket, right? Yeah. If, if, if this costs you nothing, if there was no opportunity cost here, I would like to have this ability available to use. Yeah. The problem is that there's opportunity cost. So you have to be playing yeah. a list that doesn't want another artifact and it doesn't want another Holy Command, and it doesn't want another Mount Trait. It doesn't want any of this stuff. And you can be like, mm -hmm. okay, I still want to take a Warlord Battalion. I don't want the one drop. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to revive five Vindictors. Yeah. At the end of a so game like, to steal an objective. Yeah. Like, I could see this as value in, like, uh, maybe in the future if Hordes become more popular, to like, or Vanquishers go down in points. It's like, okay, I translocated a unit of Vanquishers. I attacked your guys in Hallowed Knights, right? Uh, they did their 20 attacks because they got four attacks each or three attacks each. They did 15 attacks. Then they died and did more attacks and they got their value. They did their points worth and then you, they died and I replaced them. So. Yep. It, if it costs nothing, I'd like this more. 
But the fact that you have to yeah. give up, and as you'll see on this list, there's two S-tier holy commands that I have. Excellent abilities. Yeah. The fact that you give those up and potentially even give up Final Thunderstrike, which is not bad in certain lists. Uh, it only works on Redeemer units, right? So if you're taking uh, other battle line, you could literally have no models that it could be used on. The unit that you revive has to be within range of a hero, has to be more than nine inches from an enemy unit. So if you, all your heroes are in combat, you just can't place this. And uh, it can't be used yes. on a reinforced unit, right? So if you have, you specifically have to have a five-man squad of something in your list that's worth reviving. So because it's got so many limitations, it is a strong effect, and I love it from a, from a strategic looking at the whole battlefield and how the battle is going to go, and you're trading early, and then you're reviving stuff in a pinch and stealing points at the last second. I love that aspect of it, but the fact that it's so specific and it constrains your list building, and it's just not worth taking because the other abilities are so good. It just makes it so much worse. Yep. All right, Steadfast March, run and charge for Dracots. Yeah, it's... Uh, the only way to run and charge in the book, right? Because Heraldor mm -hmm. is gone. Unfortunately, you can't use that and the run six at the same time, which is what made the Heraldor so good, is that you could run six yeah. and then you'll charge. roll a one or two on your run charge and it'll run roll out of the field. Yeah. Now. now, you could combo this with the command trait to re-roll runs, but why? Why would you spend a command point for this? Just do something else. Teleport, Scions, uh, Translocate, do something else. You can't run and shoot even, right? So if you have a Star Drake that's going to use this Steadfast March... Um, but I, I still rank this as a B-tier ability because it is a completely unique thing that an army could use one day. Maybe by my yeah. definitions, I should have given it a C-tier instead. I think uh, C-tier might be more appropriate. It's fine. It just doesn't have the niche built in yet. Mm -hmm. We might get there. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's not reliable enough for yeah. me. Now, if we end up with some, like, Dracolines get really good and you want to bring a squad of six of them, right, and you can run and charge all six... Yeah, they reroll charges. They're fast already. There's cases where this can come up. You know, I, I'm going to wait. A few uh, point changes are going to happen, and then we'll reevaluate this one. Uh, it's mm -hmm. also just really hard to justify compared to the next two. Thunderbolt Volley, I can't believe they they did this. Because when <laughs> I saw that they were doubling the shots of Judicators and Raptors, I thought, oh, okay, I guess we can't double tap anymore. And then they gave yeah. us the ability to double tap once per game again. Yep. Unreal, like I, unreal. Yeah, having four shots in that, that in that turn with Vanguard Raptors or something. Well, God, people are gonna absolutely game. hate getting shot twenty-four times by six Raptors in one turn. Yep, that's they're gonna the hate the double forty-eight turn. damage. What, what were you saying, JJ? They're gonna hate the double turn. Oh, oh yeah, even oh. more. <laughs> before before you have a chance to act again, you might get shot thirty-six times. That can, that is game ending. Yep, a lot of times. Yep. If you you can never let Stormcast double turn. You always have to go second because of the threat of just taking that much Raptor damage is so insane. It's nuts. Uh, 480 points of Raptors and this Thunderbolt Volley. Yeah, I, I can't. There's very few times I'm making lists. I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't put Raptors and Thunderbolt in here. It's, it's very specific. You have to be able to protect the Raptors because they are fragile like we talked about on the last podcast. But you can, you can protect them. Scions is, you know... You can leave them in reserve. Deploy them out of range. There's ways to protect them. Unfortunately, yeah. this ability can't be used on Dracoths. I wish it could. I would have loved no, to double tap. <laughs> I would have loved no to way. double tap Dracoth. Or Stormdrakes. Stormdrakes can already double tap. 
so they didn't need any more. Uh, other things you can do, you can teleport Aether Wings in range with Translocation to give the Raptors plus one hit before using that command ability. That's actually the only way to get plus one Give them hit. a two up to hit in the hero phase. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's the only way to do it that I've found. If you guys think of something clever, leave it in the comments below. Uh, the Toralon moves in the movement phase, so it won't be active in the hero phase, and it's it's a marginal benefit because it's once per game that you're doing this, and you have to give up your teleport, which you might want for something else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, later, you don't have to teleport because maybe the enemy comes to you and you save your double tap. Uh, I guess we get double turn because, uh, sorry. Uh, no, never mind, never mind. Yeah, no, this is the only way. Aether Wings are the only way. Yep, yeah. right. First turn, I think this is the only one. The only way to do it. Yep. Uh, Unleash Thy Hatred is the Thunderbolt volley for protectors, basically. Um, it yeah. gives each of your dudes plus one attack. Each paladin unit has plus one attack. And that, you know, is marginal benefit for stuff like protectors with glaives, because they go from five to six attacks. 20 per- 25 On 20%. Grand Hammers, it's so On good. Grand Hammers, it's nuts. On Star yeah. Soul Maces, it's insane. Yes. Doubling the so for attack. those of you who don't know, Star Soul Maces have a one attack characteristic, meaning you can actually buff it. Yep. They actually specifically changed it in this book, and I think the only reason they did that is because of this interaction. Uh, this makes Protectors an insane unit. Without this ability, Protectors would be good, right? This makes them S-tier, because this ability exists. Protectors shoot all the way up to S-tier. Because you can run a squad of 15 Protectors and Knights Excelsior, which this is the reason Knights Excelsior is SS-tier as well, uh, and then you have six Star Soul Maces up front and nine Glaives every- and pff, anywhere else. They're 3-inch range. They can hit the, they can hit the moon. And you activate Unleash Thy Hatred, and you do an average, an average of 20 mortal wounds with the Star Soul Maces in that turn. And then, if anything survives that, you hit it with 55 Glaive Attacks. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just the Star Soul Maces. Yeah, and those Glaive Attacks are going to be on 2s and 2s, Ren 2, 1 damage. It's nuts. And they can also get Exploding 6s, right? Like, the Glaives can get Exploding 6s, they can get Curse, they can get all these things that we talked about that a lot of guys don't benefit from. Insanely good. Insanely good command ability. Yeah. If it has to be once in the game. If this was... Because I remember this used to be the Celestial Vindicator thing, where they used to add one attack. You could have done that every turn last last edition. Oh my god, if you could do that this edition, the game would be broken. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, they they baked a lot of power from our Stormhosts into the War Scrolls, right? Like, all Raptors are double-tapping all the time now. Uh, protectors yeah. are, are basically all of our paladins get the plus one attack all the time now. You've noticed all of our attacks went up across the board. Unleash Thy Hatred is like just that extra little bit of damage. So, fun fact on average, Unleash Thy Hatred, if you find some way to give your protectors plus one hit, 10 protectors can kill Gotrick in one round of combat on average by themselves. No shooting yeah. assistance whatsoever. You charge in with plus one hit and plus one wound, 10 protectors can kill Gotrick. Yep, it's very good. Yep. Uh, what, what's what's I mean, the one thing I will say is because most of these are like once per game. I wonder if double shooting as a rule is moving to once per game. Like I wonder if they'll do that with more armies. Because maybe I, it's I know just a like stormcast ar- thing. Because we have really high impact shooting. A lot of other armies are like you right, know, throwing right. sticks you say, and stones. Would you say six raptors? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess you're right. Yeah, because we also have the best defense against shooting, which is to not be shot. Yes. So. Yeah, so I could see some other armies still having double tap every turn. I don't think it's necessarily going away. Uh, maybe it'll be once per game, but they'll do it with a bunch of units, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that covers the two best ones. And then I have Final Thunderstrike down here, which a lot of people have written off, and I think they've done it unfairly. Because I've actually written some lists where I think, oh, you know what? I actually don't have room for a, a unit of Raptors 
with Thunderbolt Volley, which sounds like heresy, frankly, <laughs> after everything we just said. And and maybe I'm not using Paladins. Maybe I'm using Dracoths or Stormdrakes or something. And Final Thunderstrike is hilarious because of how it interacts with Cycle of the Storm. So if you know you're going to die with with a big unit, uh, let's say you have Stormdrakes, and every time they die, you're rolling 10 dice. Then mm-hmm. if you activate Final Thunderstrike, like let's say you get double cabbages in your face, and you're like, oh, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> Blaze of Glory, let's do this, right? You're going to take a lot of damage on the return. Yep. It's, uh, if you have Cycle of the Storm as well, which you ought to, if you're running with, with big units, Cycle of the Storm is really good. Every time mm-hmm. one of those models dies, a Storm Drake dies, you're going to be rolling 10 dice twice because of Cycle of the Storm. Well, the first time they die, they're going to roll Cycle. And Mortal Wounds on Wait, the five Which unit are you talking about? Uh, Storm Drakes. They're nine oh, Storm Drakes, yeah, So yeah. they're Thunder Strikes, so you roll 10 dice. And then Cycle rolls another 10 dice, and each one of is, those is five Strong Drake Draconith? I thought it was Drake. I could have sworn it's Draconith. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah that, you're right. That's the racial keyword, right? Draconith, because they're the yeah, Draconith yeah, yeah, species. Yeah, right. Anyway, it doesn't matter what keyword they have. Final Thunderstrike works on anything, right? No, it works on Lords and Draconiths. No, no, no. It has to I be think. used by a Lord or Draconith. The command can only be issued by a friendly knight or a friendly lord to a unit holy within 18 inches of them. It works on anything. It works, oh, okay, on, okay, yeah. it works on chariots if you want to explore. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. It works on, okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got confused because yep. I saw Dracula. Yeah, yeah, so so if you're running Karazai and Celestine Prime in a Tempest Lord's list, maybe you don't care about um, Thunderbolt Volley or Unleash Thy Hatred. Or maybe you have enough uh, room in your list to take a Warlord Battalion and take a Final Thunderstrike. And then when Karazai dies, you roll 38 dice and each mortal, each five up is a mortal. Mm hmm. There's there's yeah. room for this in some lists, more so I would say than call for aid, just because call for aid is so specific. Yeah, I would say like if you're building one of those like cavalry heavy or uh, Drake heavy lists, you know you can't really use your double volley or uh, yep. unleash thy hatred. If you, if you can't find any uses for those two, I would say pick those two first if you can find a use for them. But if you can't, then this is a fine ability to have. Yeah, and and I think a lot of lists that might build heavy. Uh, Redeemers, let's say units that have better uses for Thunderbolt Volley and Unleash the Hatred. You're not going to build a list that's just Redeemers. That's that's nonsensical. You're going to have to have mm-hmm. some kind of shooting or some kind of hammer unit or both, ideally. Um, yeah, Call for Eight is just. It seems better it's than good. it is. It seems more useful. I swear, I love it as a strategic ability. It's it, but it's just too niche. Final Thunderstrike is also niche, but when it's useful, it's the only useful thing, right? Like when you build mm-hmm. a list that doesn't use the other ones. At least you can still use Final Thunderstrike. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to pick one. You get a free Holy Command, so you might as well pick that one. I'd say it's more useful than Steadfast March in those scenarios because you want to shoot with the Drakes too. Mm-hmm. So, all right, that wraps it up. That's all the enhancements. As you can see, uh, Stormcast have a lot of good options. Um, Warlord Battalions are quite good. They can increase the value of our units quite a bit. You'll find yourself giving an Arcane Tome to a Relictor or a Castellant, just support heroes that you bring along. You can just turn them into wizards. You'll find yourself giving Amulet of Destiny to a lot of durable heroes. You'll find yourself sometimes picking just extra Holy Commands. A lot of lists I'm building these days have both Thunderbolt Folly and Unleash Thy Hatred. I think one of the top lists that's going to come out of this book uses both. I think (laughs) there's a lot of potential here. What do you guys think about all this? Go ahead, JJ. I was just going to say, um, I think I finished off the same thing last time, but it's exciting to see all the different combinations and um, lists that we, we can craft with all of our options right now these days. Yeah. I would say it's a big improvement over the piles and piles of garbage artifacts and command traits we had last time around. 
um, I think there's clear winners and clear losers. Um, and but however, our just because our base stats have improved so much, I don't feel myself relying on a particular command trait or artifact way too much. And I think that's a good thing. I think a lot of factions sort of like revolve around a command trait or artifact, and I would rather have Storm Guest just be a good baseline stat army with the command traits and artifacts being cherries on top. Yep. And our command abilities are very good. The ones for game ones, they're extremely good. Yep. I like so. that our storm hosts are impactful and mostly in a list building sense, right? Like the ones that are good are good because you approach the army a different way, right? When you bring Gardas to a battle, that's not the same thing as bringing a squad of 15 protectors to battle. Mm-hmm. And I, and I like that. I like that our storm hosts are very distinct and they're not necessarily outright like, oh, your Paladin units get plus one attack. It's not obvious what makes them good. You have to get into the list building. You have to think about how it's going to affect your strategy and your ability to win the game overall. So I think that wraps up. I think we can call this our, our initial review of the Stormcast Battle Tome is complete. Um, mm-hmm. If I had to give this a rating, like <laughs> this is an excellent book. Stormcasts are an excellent army. They have the tools to deal with the meta, we can deal with Gotrick. We can deal with behemoths of any kind. Uh, we can't kill Marathi in one turn, but we can tank her for a long enough that we can kill her. We can deal with Gardas. We might not be able to kill Archeon, but then that I crazy book that is Disciples <laughs> of Zinch is probably going away. We, changing in a big way. So. We're, we can kill Archeon. He might deny a charge. Two it might take ignore, us two turns. Two up ignoring two and re-rolling all saves. I don't know about uh, yeah, that. I think we can do it. I think we can. I think we got the tools to do it. Like protectors, man. Protectors. They're there. Um, it's a lot of focus fire. I, the tools are there. A lot of other armies just can't do it. right? I think yeah. we, we fare better in that matchup. We have the tools to deal with hordes if the meta ever becomes about hordes. We have strong defensive artifacts. We have really good base stats. I am very happy with this book. As a long-time Stormcast player, I think this was a long time coming. Now, Agreed. I'm concerned that the weaknesses of this book are things we didn't talk about. Uh, the battle tactics are awful. The battalions are awful. The grand strategies are awful. And it's I, a lot revolving around Redeemers and uh, the new drinks. Yes. So if you're playing one of those lists, sure, why not? Yeah. It's specific units are still the go-to. That's I think that's going to be true of every book all the time. You're never going to have an army where every unit is viable there's there's high high units and low units in every army. Yeah. We have a lot I mean, of good units. We yeah, have a it's, lot it's of hard to balance 76 war scrolls all in conjunction with each other, but they did one hell of a job, so I'm happy yeah. with that. Yeah, if you go back to this uh, unit tier summary that we had at the start, we have a lot of S through B tier units. Most of our junk units are heroes. We have a lot of viable units, which is how you form the core of your army, right? The heroes support the units generally, not the other way around. So the fact that we have so many good options this this is great. I, I don't want to be negative at all about this book. This is the best book Stormcast have ever gotten. Yeah. And I look forward to playing it in tournaments. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, uh, thanks for watching, but uh, next, I think uh, next week we're going to p- cover some lists and see what we can do. See what yeah, we can cook up. yeah each of us are going to try to cook up two different lists, and we're not just going to have tournament lists. I think one of the ones I'm working on right now has a Lord Ordinator and a bunch of War Machines from the Order Faction, just generic Order War Machines. I'm trying to make the best version of that that I can. I think we're going to mm-hmm. do like a powerhouse. This is the top tier, what we think is going to be the top tier competitive meta list. We're trying to be anywhere in between there too. So tune yep. in next week. We are currently writing the script for that and we hope to have that ready for you guys next week. If you have uh, any thoughts about anything we may be missed in this, please feel free to leave comments. I read the comments 
pretty much all day. I love hearing from you guys. The feedback we've been getting on just the first podcast alone has been great. We really do appreciate all of it. So thanks a lot for tuning in, guys, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Take care. Take care, guys.